Oops. I just broke my pencil. Subvert Nick. <laughs> yeah. Subvert Nick. Subvert Nick. Subverting your expectations. Can I say like, uh, I wish. Zavert <laughs> Nick. Yes. Z like vertical, right? Yeah. Nick. Yeah. Zavert Nick. Well, yeah, just Zavert Nick. Okay. Hey, can I ask what that is? I mean, I get it all um, the time. So it's I actually. Inside Transition Studios, brought to you by your hosts, Roger and Leto. Welcome to Sci-Fi Welcome back uh, to Sci-Fi Rewind. Is it recording? I'm Lito. Should, should we should we redo and it? And your name is? And, and, and I'm Roger. <laughs> and today we got Tom Zavertnik with us. Hello. And uh, we're going to be talking about um, The Thing. All right. That's what you're coming with, right? Yes. John Carpenter's 1982 classic, The Thing. Okay. Well, before we get into that, let's talk about ourselves and what we do here a little bit. And um, this is Sci-Fi Rewind. Can I help you, Roger? Are we, are we recording? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I, I, I honestly don't know. I didn't know if we've been recording this entire time. We are recording, Roger. We're going to keep plowing through this. Okay, okay yeah, this, this is going to be an interesting... <laughs> this is going to be an interesting... Inter- <laughs> Did I catch you off guard? Yeah, you caught me off guard. I thought we... I thought you know, like I said, like they do in those other podcasts. Like, they just start going and, oh, yeah. and then we just, we just keep rolling. Okay, okay. All right. All right, all right. If you want to start over, we can oh start no, over. no, it's fine. I feel like this is an interesting way to start it. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> all right, so that's a little taste of what's going on here, Tom. Okay, you know we keep things fun, keep, mm-hmm. keep things light. We're not trying to be super serious. So, mm-hmm. um, we're podcast. We deal with sci-fi. We talk about it from our generational point of view. Um, I'm from like the late uh, generation X, you know, so I get a little bit of both. Um, Roger, he's full on millennial into the next generation. Mm-hmm. And Tom, uh, if you don't mind, like, where do you fit in the schedule? Um, in, in the spectrum? I was born '97, so what? That'd oh. be millennial, right? Yeah. Or, so we got two millennials versus a technically a Gen Xer today, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. But we're gonna get into something about that. And um, you know, we asked the two simple questions: Will this get made today? And what were the filmmakers thinking? Um, what was their message? What was their themes? And we're going to find out all that stuff um, as we get through this. So, uh, you know, sit back, enjoy the ride. Make sure if there's somebody next to them, next to you, that they're a human. And um, let's get started. Um, our guest today is Tom Zavertnik. I know him from film school, CSU film school from upstairs. Um, Great guy, great guy to have on your crew if you need somebody. Um, if you can even get him now, <laughs> if, you, if you can get him now, he's in high demand. Um, thank you for much, uh, very much for uh, doing this for us. We're of course, super excited. You were like one of the first people I wanted to talk to, and you're gonna, everyone's going to see why. Oh, I, uh, love, I, I love science fiction. So once <laughs> once I heard you guys were doing that, I was like, well, I know it's probably going to be just a matter of time before Lido comes knocking on the door to be like, let's talk some sci-fi. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we talked on set. We talked at school. We, and then, you know. Um, so this is going to be great. Um, uh, you uh, actually edited uh, a film of mine, uh, Revelation, mine and Greg uh, Ellick, mm -hmm. uh, who's out in L.A. these days. Um, hopefully we can get him in remote one day for us. Um, That'd be cool. I'd, I'd love to have him on the show. Um, and it was a, a film we did um, outside of film school, but with the film school's help, because they let us uh, use um, an old 16-millimeter uh, um, film camera that they had just sitting around. So I rounded up a bunch of people, and I said, hey, let's, uh, let's film, film on film. Let's just say it. We're in film school. Let's make a film on film. They don't have that program anymore, but let's go for it. And Tom, um, you know, got brought on from Greg, and I couldn't have been happier with how it turned out. And yeah. very easy to work with and, uh, and making changes. And we were super lucky to, to get you, um, you know, um, on, on the project. Uh, I'm sure Greg had a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was also, I think, the first project I'd actually edited that was purely shot on film. So it was, like, with authentic film grain and stuff. And exactly. And I, I am definitely a... Uh, I, I love I love my film grain and the film dirty effects. Right. You know when you, the little hairs. Yeah, not not purely restoring the whole image type of deal. Right. I'm a big huge fan of that. So that was that was a cool project to work on. Then, then are you and then you obviously you you can use that as your future mm -hmm. reel, right? I mean, have you used like maybe a cut or two to kind of help you or? Well, surprisingly enough, I don't have a reel yet, but oh, no. things keep dropping in front, so it's kind of just taking up the time of making a reel, which I guess. Hey, you know, as long as the work keeps coming, you know. Okay. Well, what I'll, what I'll probably do, uh, but I definitely will use it in nice. real when I make one. I love it. Thank. Yes, please do. Um, when I do the description of this podcast, I'll I'll link that you know as some of your work that people mm -hmm. can see and and kind of um, you know let let people know who they're listening to. Yeah, so, uh, I, I haven't seen it, so uh, I'd be interested in checking it out. Would it be considered sci-fi? A little t little hint about it. Okay, okay, I got you. Check. So, like, <laughs> let's uh, talk a little bit about yourself. You know, um, let us know who you are. So, uh, I am Ohio raised and born, or born and raised, I should say, sure. not the other way around. Uh, I've always lived straight in Brunswick, Ohio. I think my entire life. Um, I got really into film in high school. Uh, this film, in particular, that we will talk about soon, is probably partially one of the reasons I really got into film. Um, and then I ended up, yeah, I went to like the Medina County Career Center where I went into video production, fell in love with it even more there and decided to pursue it into college and CSU, yep, where we had met and had worked on quite a few projects and then coming to Transition Studios afterwards, you know, just continuing that, that love to work on, on projects and film, video, uh, all of that sort. Um, when I saw that you were working here, because I took a break from this place, um, long break um and i saw that you were here i'm like man they got himself a good one like they snatched up a good oh, one yeah. early <laughs> you know like when you want yeah, i graduated i think that friday and i as an in like started as intern on that following monday after grad even in the midst of i think covid wow yeah that was uh somebody has an eye for talent here we gotta you know point that out so all right um and one question where do you see yourself like where when you know when your career like where do you see yourself what do you want to do i mean obviously editing but, mm -hmm. but what do you see yourself becoming like what do you want to work on? what's your dream project i would really love to work on 
obviously narrative feature projects as probably a lot of people do um but totally fine obviously doing doc stuff because it's kind of what i've started in and i learned a lot over the last year uh and a half or so uh, since working at transition about documentary which i wasn't the biggest fan of documentary i think as a genre Mm -hmm. or as kind of that type of project before but now that i'm in it um i really see the benefits and i think just what the genre has to offer that i never really had seen before um but yeah but as 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 a future i'd really love to be doing and editing on science fiction features for real (laughs) yes um, stuff like i know this would probably be a million years from now um but stuff like you know it'd be great to get on a like a star wars project or you know oh uh, oh my goodness I mean, we. I, all, I'd love to. If there was some way I could get into the Dune Part Two editing room, I would do it in a heartbeat. Right. I would probably break a lot of friendships here, but I. Oh my God, <laughs> to do to be a part of that would be amazing. Any any film that Denis does, I, I, I wish I could jump on that. In a Did you hear that uh, Villeneuve stated that if he wanted to do the story justice, he would have to divide it into three parts? No, I haven't heard about that. I did hear. I heard he might do the the second book, mm-hmm. um, which. I know it's shorter than the first, mm-hmm. and, and that's probably as a studio where I'd stop. It gets kind of wacky after. I mean, all for it if you go after that, but yeah, anything science fiction in the in the theater, I just absolutely love. You touched on Star Wars. I, I yeah. Okay, uh, we're gonna stop talking about the thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, no. Well, I don't know if we want to go deep dive into Star. Like, that why could do be we want? No, I'm done with the thing. Like, Th- I'm that good. might be a whole other talk. Why do we want to talk about this the, gross movie? The thing is good. All right. All right. The thing is good. Podcast over. Let's talk about Star Wars. <laughs> that could probably be uh, the, my return. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Is for uh, Star Wars. Something let, Star Wars. Let's talk about the recently released uh, Mandalorian season three. Okay. All right, Raj. Um, but here's the thing. One thing that we kind of sh- would uh, share a future goal on is definitely working on a Star Wars film. Anything. I, I'd I take out the trash. I would. I would. I. I. I do anything. To just say once I got to do something on a Star Wars film, I would I'd be through the moon and back again. And um, not to self-plug myself, but um, same dream. Same mm-hmm. dream. So, um, all right, let's get started here. Do you know what we, uh, you know how, how kind of operates here, right? At least with the pitching? Yeah, like that's how we start out. That's how we learn um, the story and the characters and who you got attached and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I've, before we get in, I just want to say, it's very appropriate that we're talking about the thing, considering the Cleveland weather right here. Yes, <laughs> good just point. Kind of snowed in at this point. It's you hard mean, to leave. Yeah, you mean, that classic McCready line is the first <laughs> week of winter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, also, uh, I don't know for you Star Wars lovers out there. Mm-hmm. I know you're out there. You got a little bit of Hoth out here in Cleveland, Ohio, too. Mm-hmm. So you know, just, you know, don't forget that whole connection. So um, what we do. You know, you uh, you're gonna have to pitch us a thing. We're pretty we're pretty uh, shrewd executives, okay. If if you will, um, I'll try my best. Describe, absolutely. Describe the story. You know, briefly describe the story. Describe char- uh, actors, people involved, things like that, and like maybe budgets. So just go into that now, or uh, yeah, we'll just need a, a we'll little break. A, a little okay. break. Hey, Raj, 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 what are you working on? You, you okay? You got a second? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. What's up? What's up? What are hey, we doing? I got this guy, Tom. 
He's got a great idea for a film. We were, uh, we, uh, I, I, he, I was uh, trying to get up on an elevator, and he caught the elevator with me, and uh, and, he, and he pitched me something. I think you need to listen oh, to it. Elevator pitch? All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, elevator pitch. If you're, sure. if you're interested, I'll listen. What, what's up? I'm interested. Okay. I'm halfway in, but you know, obviously you're my partner, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to figure that out. So this is Tom. Tom. Hello. Hello, Tom. All right. What's your idea? So my idea is it's a film called The Thing, right? It's The Thing. It's pretty much you have what's, a bunch of... What's The Thing called? The Thing. It's just called The Thing. Okay. That's and the it's, All right. Simple. Easy to remember. And we got All a right. science fiction horror film um, that we take down to... It's a bunch of researchers stuck at an outpost on Antarctica, and they discover the... Whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to shoot in Antarctica? Well, we, we can already have some stuff sorted out in Alaska and then shoot interiors in Los Angeles. Okay. Right. We, now you're we, talking my language. Yeah, we, we've got, we got some of that kind of sorted right, a got bit. It. Got it. All right. We got, got, got some connections that we could probably make it happen real real quick. Dude, All this right. guy's resourceful. I love it. So, uh, is, But they find this the remains of what seems to be some unknown specimen, and they bring it back to their base, and it unthaws. Well, not so much that it unthaws, but it gets back to the base, and... Then that creature starts to it com- it wakes up. All right. Well, this is well, yeah. It wakes up. It essentially then can take over its victims and then look like them. It's like a shape shifting alien that can look like your best friend or your leader, or so to speak. So then they have this situation where they now have to figure out who is the thing and who is just so pure. Anybody human. could be the thing. Anybody. It's it's like. Open it, and it could be any of these yeah. people. How many people are you talking about? Ooh, it's probably going to be a pretty decent group. I wouldn't say probably around overall. After some some little characters that come in and out, mainly probably towards the beginning of the film, um, probably like less than like a twenty or less. I would say twenty or less. Yes, total all, actors and all men. That might be pushing it a little too many. Wait I think we may want to go around maybe more so ten. Yeah, and then you said all men. All men. The uh, director you know doesn't my- want any. He did not want any women in the film, so that there was no possible inclusion of a romance. So we can't include a love story. Well, no, all that's right. my that's my number one. Question. I also think I could probably kind of buff. They don't know so much. Find the alien in the ice. Uh-huh. Uh, they more so find out from this base the f- nearby that that's already burned down that uh-huh. has these things. Can out the, in the alien be home. female? Um, Just to hit well, check that the, box. You're never really going to see what it actually looks like. You more so Ooh. see how it's morphed I love, through the different things it's come into contact with. At least that's kind of how it's alluded to in the in the script. I love it when you don't know the monster, when you don't see the monster. Like, what is the monster? Like, I don't know. It's a monster. If, if I could ask, is this an, an original idea or is it based off of something? Yeah, we got a, tar- a market already based. So uh, this is up. a re- it's a new adaptation of the novella Who Goes There by John Campbell Jr. And Ooh. there was a 1950s one film by Howard Hawks called The Thing... Uh, the thing from another world mm. that he had already kind of had done that story, but he didn't do the shape shifting creature. He kind of just did like a Frankenstein, this monster made out of vegetation. Okay. Um, so there is some brand recognition here. We could probably use that. A little bit, yeah. Okay. It's a readaptation of that short story, okay. so to speak. Hey, if it's worked before, it's going to work again. I love where you're going with this. You know, it's not, and you know, as you know, original ideas are sometimes hard to uh, digest. But if this has a proven record, 
this is this is great. And then if it's got like a low key proven record, like it's not been out in the mainstream. I guess the, we got a hidden gem. The here. best way to put it, I guess, because it's obviously an adaptation of that same short story that the thing from another world did. Mm -hmm. The best way to put it is it's the thing from another world meets invasion of the body snatchers. Oh, like the distrust of one another of who yeah. has already been snatched, who has not been. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, so, who do you have involved? Who is your above the line talent? Uh, for the director, we have John Carpenter, who is hot off the trails of Halloween, which oh. has already been a huge success. Oh. And he had just done the film uh, Escape from New York, and he's bringing his star from that, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Didn't he do Disney movies when he was a kid? Yes, he did. Mm. So, sounds like we got a we got a we got a potentially good uh, uh, crew involved. So yeah, that's there's yeah that's, that's interesting. Are we gonna get his team? Yeah, we're probably most likely going to get a lot of the same people that John Carpenter had worked for. Very He's good. pulling his same special effects, or they were more so a part of the special effects. They weren't the lead, but Rob Bottin from The Fog that oh, he had already done. I think excellent. That's, was it before Halloween? I don't know if that was before or after, but around that time. But he's coming to do the effects. Alongside Kurt Russell, we also have Wilford Brimley. Oh, man. Wilford Brimley all in the... What's that um, show he was on? Something about a family, right? Is that my my way off? I don't. I can't remember everybody. Sure. My mind is going these days, you know. But and then is, we, he gonna, is he going to sell tickets? Hopefully, is he going to pull I, in I a? So. Is hopefully. he going to pull in a demographic for us? Maybe, but probably a bit of an older demographic. Perfect for the Wilfred Brimley. A lot of seniors go. to I mean, this picture. will most likely be rated R, so you're not probably going to get. That's fine. Adults. What okay. makes it rated R? What? what uh, why do you think that? Um, well, it's going to have excessive gore, not at every scene, but it's going to have these alien transformation scenes, these horrific, very bloody, it's gooey, yeah. a lot of these mashed bar body parts together, and it there's going to be a lot of blood. There's some uh, death, there's some fire. Have we seen anything like this before, as far as this gore? Like, is it, rep you know, rep is it been done before, this, this type of gore? This type of gore, at least to my knowledge not in this way okay so we got some originality and yeah, here. And, and behind the scenes they're really trying to come up with this unique way you know how do you what do you make a shape-shifting alien look like right when you don't know what the base you know what it originally looked like how it's formed through these things so it's an organism yes and from outer space oh okay cool i was just about to ask how to get here it crash lands like hundreds of thousands of years prior in the antarctic uh, snow uh -huh. and it f freezes until I mean this is more so the backstory of it but a different base discovers it and it's mm. through the aftermath of that one that the this American base finds out about all these things and and how does how does how do we connect the two bases um, well we begin the film very actually I think in a very kind of unique way these this imagery of this dog running in a vast, isolated, open snow field with a helicopter mm. chasing right behind him, shooting at the dog. Whoa, 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 stop you right there. No dogs are going to die, right? Oh, well, uh, I don't, there, I don't, is, no. there is some... That's a rule. There are, there are dogs that die in this film. <laughs> oh. Oh, boy. And quite... Uh, that might be I a deal breaker. Brutally. brutally. But obviously, we're not physically killing real dogs. Of, of course not, but the PETA people, come on. They're going to be knocking at our door for this one, you think? Well... They had actually just founded this, this the year that this film would be coming out. So we might be able to scave by a bit because they had 
just formed just recently if we're going within the mind of 82 they okay. formed because of the thing yeah may, you know what maybe they did form because of the thing they saw the thing and they're like you know i don't want to see that happen to dogs anymore well there was yeah i mean i don't want to see it i mean no one wants to see that no one there's two dogs. things i don't want to see but that's i don't that's even want to mention helps the other you thing. hate the thing it kills mm -hmm. dogs exactly that's Anything, a good point you know, you know this, should, this thing should be uh destroyed with fire yes at all, yes, at any fire looks great on film. Fire, oh, fire always looks yes. great on film. Yes, I love fire. As long as the proper safety procedures. I love the contrast. Place. We got ice. We got fire. I got an idea for a film in the future, way future, with dragons. I love. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, a dragon fused by the thing would certainly be something. I got this young kid, George R. R. Um, but in terms story. of budget, yeah. John Carpenter, he's thinking probably around twenty million dollars. <laughs> Twenty million. With no, at least oh, one point oh. five million set aside purely for the effects. No, you're getting fifteen. We're not giving you yeah. twenty. Yeah, twenty, and uh, you're talking to another studio. This is not going to work for us. I mean, we could. What we we can see. That's um, all. That's all we can do for you. We're sorry, but we're not. Yeah, we're, we're not strapped, twenty. We're strapped million. with this. What is this? But this ET is the horror crowd. We got. You we put got, a horror film in a theater, and you have it come out. Hopefully, around you know. We got ET in the pipeline. Uh, that's that's costing us an arm and a leg. Now you're talking about. Well, that's that's Spielberg. He can yeah. uh, he can probably afford the arm and the leg. He just got the success off Jaws. Yeah. Right. A, 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 a phenomenon. Close Encounters. Right. Or I'm not. Sure. I don't know if that had came out yet. We'll figure. It, yeah. No, Good yeah, question. we'd have to. That's seventy-seven. Right. So yeah, he's already done. He's done his big sci-fi. He's got so, his checks. So he's more of a guaranteed thing, you know. True. John Carpenter Halloween. You got the horror crowd, but like we're talking blockbuster. We gotta, you know, ET is gonna be tough to beat. You know, are and you? Carpenter's gonna? more used to the independent. So this this is kind of his first involvement with studio. So we're, okay. he's gonna kind of see how this goes. To this is an experiment. So this is a risk. We'll get him involved with the Hollywood system if this works out. So yeah, this this is going to be this is going to be good if if this is a success. Yeah. I'm certain this will be good for everyone. And John Carpenter definitely won't come out cynical after this experience. And um, you know, we're giving him a pretty decent star here in Kurt Russell. So well, there are. I mean, that's kind of just the combo already. Right. You know, you're just getting that with the Carpenter. That's already kind of like a good so duo to go with. We're definitely going to be bringing in the teenage crowd with this, but obviously. It's not a romance film, mm -mm. so no one's going to get any warm and fuzzies as far as the girl and the boy, you know. This is a pretty dark, lovers. nihilist film based upon the script. Oh, just, it just, it just, it just shuts the door on this, you know, other people that come to the movies that I just do not are, like. I like to be inclusive, but that's me. From what I'm, yeah, a little from what I'm hearing is it doesn't sound like it's a fun movie, per se. It doesn't sound like people will necessarily enjoy their time watching it. So I'm a little I'm a little worried here, but uh, I would say Carpenter is has the more of the fan of of the horror like purely made for horror fans. That's kind of his aim he's going with here. Okay, yeah. we'll see how they respond when it comes out. Hopefully, you okay. know if we get it, even though we horror is a horror is you know a great genre. Um, you know it's the most I would say the fans have the most forgiving. You know, as long as like you know, effects look great, right? They can most horror fans can kind of just forgive a lot of which, the other parts as long as it looks great. Which you mentioned, we're going to spend a ton of this budget on special effects. Yes. So this is going to break new ground. I'm make, assuming. Must to make sure that the effects look really solid. I'm trying to sell you your own movie. How about that? Um, so no females. No. Uh, dogs get killed. Yeah. Who else you got? Somebody else? Somebody else? Anybody? I mean, like, we got Keith David. What about the diversity here? Um, talk about the diversity. I'm an inclusive person. 
Um, well, Keith David. Yeah, Keith David. Okay, great. Um, from Nightcourt? I, he, uh, at this Night point, I don't really think he's had much. Okay, this, gotcha. I, besides, I think one other feature that he recently started in this should be pretty much his big exposure. Okay, cool. That Carpenter and him have this really good bond going on that I think he's probably going to want to... He's probably going to be in another film of his down the line. I can I could see it. They're really good friends. So we got Keith David. All right. Perfect. Maybe throw in one more one more person of color in there, and then I think we're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we're not going to have females, let's get... You know, let's, let's have some other... Let's fill in the diversity people. quota. Exactly. Um, I've got this kid, um, T.K. Carter. Uh, he's looking for a gig. Yeah, I mean, I can All pass right. him over to Carpenter. He's been trying to look to fill in a few other roles. And, yeah. And uh, I, th- I think he'd, he'd probably really fit in. You know. This character of Nalls, I'm assuming, that Carpenter needs to still fill. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of, you know, lanky, kind of, kind of, you know, goofy, um, kind of feel-good guy. You know, there's always a guy that, like, oh, if that guy dies. Almost a comedic. Uh, comedic character exactly you know what I mean like that guy's not gonna die that guy's you know he's he's the laughs he's the comedic so I think he can well that a role. lot of the cast is dying in this film <laughs> like um, any good horror movie okay, right? can like we, any kind of classic can we maybe avoid showing them die, uh, uh, you know TK Carter and Keith David dying per se you know if, if, if possible well I, I can at least say that Keith David is one of the people that makes it out by the end but it, there's an ambiguous type of feeling to the end mm. well I'm saying what I'm saying is if they're going to die can we at least maybe do it off screen or something we can work that out okay I feel like you know you can pass all these notes along to Carpenter so, ultimately I'm not the final director so I can't we are a spoiler free podcast so mm-hmm. I mean spo- now spoiler heavy I'm sorry we are a spoiler heavy podcast if you can edit that other part out okay. um, how does it end talk to me about the ending well the end of the film we have Kurt Russell as McCready and McCready has this final showdown with the thing. It's kind of ultimately very quick, but him and Nalls and the character of Gary are the last pretty much remaining humans, at least as they see it. Childs, who's played by Keith David, kind of wanders off on his own. They they notice this, so he's kind of absent from this whole finale. And in that finale, Blair, who throughout the film, they kind of isolated him. At least you have a female name. I mean, I guess. Um, And... (laughs) He ends up being the final thing and silently takes out Nulls and Gary without McCready hearing. And at the very end of the film, the thing comes out to McCready. McCready says a classic F-bomb. Oh. Um, somersaults away. Well, no, he somersaults away, does a, does a big F-bomb, throws the dynamite. The whole thing explodes. The base, the rest of the base explodes in the process. Yes. So the whole base. Does he walk in, like, is he walking in the... In front of the explosion? No, no he's not, not one of those scenes. Okay, no. gotcha. This is more so of you just noticing this giant base on fire in the middle of this isolated snow. Gotcha. Um, and the final, final scene is him just sitting there after everything that he's done. There's no really place to sit. You know, after this fire goes down, that's kind of it. You know, he's okay. just going to be sitting in snow. But Childs walks up. Yeah. And he's questioning, you know, why? where were you? Oh. He's like, oh, I noticed Blair, you know, run out this way. So it, it ends on this ambiguous note of, you know, his child's the thing. Yeah. But McCready's not really in a position to do anything. Because, you know, like, you know, we're not one and doneers. We'd like to see if we can't continue this as a franchise. You, would you be open to that? Eh, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll see what Carpenter thinks. Right. Um, is he in a, um, doing uh, sequels? Is he going to do Halloween too? 
it's Carpenter always kind of seems like a person who kind of does his story. Yeah. And he accomplishes what he wants to say in that one story and kind of okay. walks away. So this might be a one and doneer. Yeah, it sounds like that. Sounds like all right. Well, we could always get people to do sequels or or potential remakes or something hey, or prequels. Some, someone's always looking for a job. I mean, yeah. this this ice this ship. I mean, there's the other base. Okay, they find that Norwegian base and it's destroyed. You could probably make another film out of that. Perfect, perfect. Okay, um, I got one final question. Pitch me the story from the alien's point of view. Go. Well, if we're gonna go on the timeline order, it crashes on Earth. It wakes up, steps outside, is like, where the hell am I? And then probably doesn't have enough time after the crashing on this planet. And however, its condition is, freezes outside in the ice. Jump a hundred thousands of years later, this thing's woken up. Probably not happy in the wherever it's at because he doesn't. The alien last thing it remembers was walking out of its ship, and it's probably just doing what it was made to do, which was assimilate other creatures into itself to keep building up itself and all these people want to kill it, <laughs> it why does wants, it want to kill it and it just wants to live why, does, why 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 are they so quick to pass judgment on this innocent alien well um just it might thinks it's innocent but in its process of doing what it's doing is kind of killing the old to take over for its new thing right. um but it's a very gory sight so it doesn't really look pleasant to anyone else that possibly sees this and let's take out all the you know let's let's try to swing it from his point the alien's point of view his or she i'm sorry um it's just trying to survive right yes and who's trying to stop it all the other researchers all the people at the base that they themselves are trying to not become the thing so survive in their own right okay while they're isolated in the middle of nowhere of this frozen it's not really a wasteland, but I just like to say frozen wasteland, even though it's not. It's ice, just ice and snow. So the humans are the bad guys in... In the aliens' perspective. Right. It's trying... Yeah, they're trying to kill it, to just stop it completely, and it does not want to stop. Does the alien try to communicate with the alien with the humans and say, hey, uh, I'm just trying to get back home, you know? No. No? No, it's not really open about it. It just wants it to wants take to over. It. it just kind of is going to take over people. Well... And build its own ship to possibly go anywhere. Possibly. Okay. Okay. Well, well, we might have to talk about it a little bit more, but I'm interested in the idea. So, uh, all right, if you just want to, I don't know, uh, if you just want to head out, me and Lito will talk about it more, and we'll give you some ideas to whether we'll greenlit it or not later all right all right yeah Yeah. i'll head back to carpenter i'll tell him a bit about of what we've done and yeah um, so hopefully hear back from you guys soon i'm excited i think this might be doable because it uh, might be small cast you know you're talking we don't have to shoot in antarctica we can figure something out you got that figured out 15 15 million million we'll Mm, see how that that goes that's an m right um i'm gonna go with a soft go i'm gonna go with a soft green light but I'm going to be, you know, I definitely want to keep an eye on the receipts. And uh, and if this doesn't do well, I'm not doing a sequel. I'm not even going to think about it. Yeah, we'll have to see. I'm hesitant still. I don't know if this is necessarily a film that you can really pitch to people. Why would you want to watch a movie that's going to make you feel sad? Uh, at least we kind of get a happy ending. Well, Maybe, maybe. from what it sounds like. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little hesitant on it, so we'll have to 
we'll 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 get back into it a little later. But uh, have a nice day. No, thank you. Have a good one. Yeah, uh, we we validate parking. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet. Thank yeah. you. That's not many other places around here to do that. Right. So that, thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great job. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> yeah, good besides, job, and when I went to talk about that, and I think I ended up talking more about the 2011 in a log line sense. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Oh, well. oh, yeah. That, that, so, like, if you were to do the log line for uh, the thing, did you want to switch it up? No, I feel like my well. I mean, I could just read exactly what. Sure, yeah, that's fine. Almost kind of don't because that's like that's a paragraph. Yeah, (laughs) no. Uh, Yeah, no. I don't think it would get made today. I unfortunately, I do not think so. You know, Blumhouse is making it, right? They're redoing. Yeah, they're doing it. Uh, A remake? Or just another adaptation of the story? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. Blumhouse and they announced it. It wasn't recent. Okay. But I know Carpenter, I think, is involved in something. He's not directing. There's yeah. No way. He's, oh, okay. he's done doing movies. I feel, okay. like, I feel like you talked about the... Uh, you, we've talked behind the scenes, and you said you like the 2011 version. I feel like... Oh, the 2011... Yeah. It, like, like I just borderline like it. But yeah, I don't yeah. know if we should probably save that for, like... Yeah, let's save it. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I'm bit, just saying, but. like, out of anyone in the world who probably doesn't mind it, I feel like John Carpenter is one of those people who doesn't mind it. He probably got a paycheck out of it, and so yeah, it's all about the money. Yeah. So, uh, initial thoughts and your nostalgia with the film, please, uh, Tom. So I'll start with the nostalgia of it, and yeah. then I'll get into the initial thoughts because my discovery of this film was a very interesting one, at least for me, because I don't think it was the first kind of film that this has happened with. So I was in seventh grade, and I think at that time. What it was on my iPod Touch with the classic YouTube TV logo. I don't know if you've if you had the iPod Touch back in the day. The mm-hmm. YouTube had this logo that was like an old TV. It was oh, kind okay. of it was kind of funky. Well, I spent a lot of time watching YouTube in my seventh grade, and I had come across across this Watch Mojo episode of like top ten horror horror effects or something mm-hmm. like effects in horror films. And I think that's kind of when I started really getting into horror films. And my dad had shown me. Uh, when I was too young, most likely, because I think I was in, like, fifth grade. Uh, he showed me Predator. And that nice. was, like, besides that, I, all I had watched was Star Wars, Batman, Superman. Okay. That was it. You know, I didn't see, you know, skulls coming out of people's backs. Right. Like, Dude who's talking like this. You, like, yeah. I, that was just not, nothing wrong with talking like that, but that was just so, like, whoa, this dude's like a behemoth of a man. And I kind of, at the time, was like, uh... I've never seen anything like this. Okay. And that opened the door to my dad showing me, like, Alien, the rest of the Predator films, at least, Commando, like, all the Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. So I, I just had really gotten into those 80s action films. But then on that on that same compass, a lot of the discussion, at least online, that I kept sawing around those films was, like, 1980s horror films. Okay. So I kind of wandered into, on my own, looking into those. And through that, that Watch Mojo video, I think, like, number two... Number two and or one, one of them was The Fly. Yes. And one of them was The Thing. Mm-hmm. And I was just like the, the imagery of which I, what, I, what I was seeing in The Thing, I was like, this looks incredible. Like this. Can I ask about that real quick? Stop. Mm-hmm. stop uh, do you like practical effects or CGI? Because um, you kind of grew up with CGI, like, right? Well, I would. S- like. I mean, I grew up watching, obviously, the Star Wars prequels, which yeah. were very heavy in CG. Yeah, who started So I don't think all. at yeah. the time I had any... It was just like a movie. Like, mm-hmm. I was just watching Oh, it. Was you, like, didn't cool. think, you didn't think it looked like a cartoon? 
Yeah, not like because you know there was nothing really for me to compare it to. Gotcha. You know? Excellent. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I once I once I had gotten into horror stuff, that's when I had noticed there was this huge love for practical effects, and right. this film in particular being like, whoa, like somebody made that, like right. seeing on screen somebody physically made that, and they got all these people to work together, and all the people that are involved with making that happen, and I was just like enthralled by that. I was like, that's. That's incredible, and the sound design, like the monster sounds, I never heard anything like that. You had Kurt Russell, who just I was like, this dude looks like the perfect man. <laughs> he looks yeah. so like, cool. He just he's his his coolness in that film so is just cool. under. Well, it's overstated, I think, by this point. But at the time, I was like, you know, Batman's cool now, but this is just a normal pilot guy who's just stuck in Antarctica and now has to deal with these alien creatures that are just killing a bunch of these researchers. Right. He, he re- kinda, in, in the opening, he really doesn't care. No. He's I mean, I think so in the annoyed. script, it's like, you know, McCready uh, likes chess, hates the cold, the pay is good. And, like, that's it. <laughs> that's how it describes his character. You know? And that's great. And I think Kurt Russell really excels that. Okay. You know, these are these guys that, literally, if they don't do anything, like, they're dead, you know? Mm-hmm. But... Oh. After I'd watched that Watch Mojo video, yeah. I then went to look up the film on YouTube and I watched the whole movie on my iPod Touch mm-hmm. in parts off of YouTube. Oh, wow. And I was like, wow, that was awesome. Like, yeah. I had just spent, and it's funny, my first watch of it was on my iPod. It was wow. not a TV, it wasn't on a, in a theater. Yeah. And I went to my dad and I'm like, hey, do you know about this film called The Thing? And he was like, the, you know, like with Kurt Russell? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I remember he babysat his younger brother at the time and it was like a really crazy winter mm-hmm. and he turned on i don't remember what channel it was and it was just playing it yeah 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 and he anything. said like that for the rest of the night like he kept the lights on and he's just like <laughs> i didn't want to go outside in the cold that night right to even grab can i trust my brother is real exactly. yeah and he's just like that's oh you know that's what it does yeah and it's the horror back in the day he hadn't seen it since but he was like yeah i, I remember being like a really freaky the effects were really gory and he was like yeah why and i was like oh i just you know watch the whole thing on my ipod and he was like why'd you do why on the ipod yeah so i think later on that week he came back from work and he had bought the dvd from like the exchange look look i want to stop you right there you got to bring your dad in and i got to shake his hand yeah (laughs) i mean he's very much responsible i think for a lot of the the music and the film uh interest that i have and then now later on have gone to film school and being yeah. introduced to so many films exactly. and perspectives of international films and coming back to him be like hey you should check these out and that's right. even reciprocated now when he watches something You're- and he's like you know i never would have thought about that kind of perspective to a film if you had not shown me a lot of these things right because he was just used to the star wars batman wow. superman all a lot of things that i think a lot of his kids that the generation grew up with that was just in the mainstream. Right. You know? So if I'm going to paint the picture of people listening. What you're what, you're wearing a Motley Crue shirt. <laughs> Born in 1997, wearing a Motley Crue shirt. Yeah. Okay. Now, how does this happen? How do you wear Motley Crue? You you listen to Tool. You 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 wear Star Wars shirts. Like you're not a product of like your generation. You you have, have absorbed like the 80s and 90s. You, you and I would have been best friends growing up because we I, I were totally into that. the same things. How how does that work when when you were born in '97? Yes. When I graduated high school, how does that work? And then I think a lot has to do with your father. Like yeah, in, I'd put, in, I'd, put, I'd pin it all on him. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably closer to my age or a little bit 
Younger or older, probably. He, uh, 67. Yeah, well, he's a little bit older. Okay, cool. Um, so he's definitely... Well, in 1967. Like, that's when he was born. Oh, he was born in 67. Yeah. Okay, cool. So he's like... Not that he's 67. Okay, gotcha. So, um, and he, and then he exposed you to all this this great yes. stuff. Very early. Probably yeah. too early. I, like, okay. I admit it. Like, I okay. like all the stuff he mm-hmm. showed me, but I... Like the Predator? Yeah, like showing me Predator fifth grade, you it's know. A, my, my dad was the same way. Like, he didn't... Um, I was watching Red Dawn uh, younger mm-hmm. than you when I was, like, five. So that's not the good. That's not great, <laughs> but you know the original version with like Patrick Swayze and stuff. Yes. Um, so we have to like obviously w- when you come back, bring your dad or something because yeah. we need to have him on and thank him. Yeah, for, I'm for, very for, curious for, for spawning you <laughs> the way you are, and and <laughs> this this is amazing because uh, in my eyes you're an anomaly. You shouldn't. Like you shouldn't be into this kind of, but you are. You're like this is totally, and it's like this is not. This is not the only thing that you're like completely aware of. Um, I could ask you anything, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, and Probably, that's amazing. Maybe. Like, um, we can talk about what the Blue Velvet, right? Yeah, David Lynch. Yeah, and you know anything? You know everything about that? Well, I, I think probably part of that probably has to deal with also film school. That, that sure. did open a lot. There, yeah. and I think there were quite a few other individuals of the same interest then, but it. Not everyone that like with the knowledge of the age, but that's you know that's fine. Right. I'm just saying. I'm going to wrap this up quick because I don't, I don't want to embarrass you or anything. But like, if you were my kid, I'd be so proud. Okay. Well, thank you, Lita. <laughs> um, so, but uh, he, he bought the DVD. Yeah, sure. You know, from the exchange, and then I got to watch it on my. I think we had like a 32 inch CRT TV. Um, CRT. Look at CRT this. DVD. <laughs> like at the time, you know, that was the best I got for me. Yeah. Now it's like, yo, if that's not a 75 inch 4K TV with surround sound, like, exactly. I'm not. That's not my first watch. I'm waiting until I got that, or it's in the theater. Right. But you got the DVD and watched it on a much bigger screen than my iPod, and like I just, I was in love with this movie. That's great. I, I had watched so much. I think I convinced. I think anytime I had friends come over, yeah, mm-hmm. this, the, yeah, okay. So like this 100 happened where I had a bunch of friends come over. And we had like watched the movie. Yeah. And then I don't think it was not too long after that actually the 2011 one came out. Oh. And then I think it was like two months later. Like it was announced. I heard about it. And then like a month later it was out. Yeah. Not that it was announced a month later, but that's just when I heard about it. And then my dad went to, my dad and I went to see that film. And then I was just like in a thing, create like just the universe of the thing, the monster of the mm-hmm. thing, the coolness of the that I hero. Had, I had convinced my friends in middle school. We had a lunch middle table school. that we all sat at. This guy, and we all had <laughs> we all had nicknames of the characters oh of the film. Yes. So I was McCready. This is awesome. We had a friend Childs. We had a, you know Clark. We had a, a Nalls. We, like we had them all. And my friend Taylor, who we had his name his name was windows because windows i think he kind of had the poofy hair oh, yeah. at the time dude windows was my favorite character windows blast him and yeah. then you don't uh, but yeah we so there was like out. a thing craze for me mm-hmm. in seventh seventh grade and i can't believe i had it. forever loved the film and then i think even in i think it was ninth or tenth grade in high school mm-hmm another one of my friends had like just he just mentioned it or something i was like oh yeah that film like, yeah i remember that and all my other friends were like probably behind my back being like dude don't talk about the thing all the time you're gonna open up yeah you're, he's just not gonna stop talking about it right but my one friend had bet he's like you know i guarantee like you don't you could not watch that movie like every day of the school year because we had we rode the same bus there and back and we had we sat at the same table at lunch and I was like, no, I'll prove you wrong, man. Whoa. Like I have, I got my iPod. There's iTunes that exists. I can download it on my phone and watch it like anywhere <laughs> I go. 
and I, I kid you not, like I'm not lying. I had like watched the film that year, according from what I remember, like 237 times. Good gosh. Like oh I, my we God. would start it in the morning. Wait. He'd see, I'd be like, I'm watching the film. I have yeah. my earbuds in, and I'd watch it on the way back. I'd watch it at lunch. There was that is awesome. I was just absolutely in love with this film. Now, is it actually 237? I don't know. I'm yeah. just telling. Like, I watched it so much that year, and then I think I had just not watched it for like years since because I used to knew. I used to know all the lines. Yeah. Like, or they'll say a line now when I was watching it last night, and I'd be like. Oh, isn't this like the, the flamethrower moment or is this the first goddamn week away? Like just yeah. those and it's like it's all – I already know it. So at this point – is, oh. there, is there a thing convention? Do they – do they do you want to start it? <laughs> I don't know if I do a thing convention. I, you know, if someone asked me though in like 20 years uh, or so, did you, do you want to be a part of a thing movie? Like I'd totally do it. Wow. I would love to. I think at the time when I went to film school, it was like – one of the things that I'd love to do besides, like, you know, on, on a Star Wars project would be like, dude, I'd love to make another thing. Mm-hmm. What okay. it just, but, like, there's not too many different beats you could probably could do, you know, reference 2011 one, but. What if the thing gets off Antarctica? I mean, I don't know. Uh, 27,000 hours, and then it's all doom and gloom from right. there. That's, that's, yeah. that's not very long. So, uh, initial thoughts, or did you, are you. I think at the time I was, I was really, my first thoughts when I watched it of the few times I watched it in seventh grade was I was always kind of fascinated that one in one particular instance in this film. And I think that's really when like a kind of the whole conflict kind of stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. And it's the part of the film when you're not watching McCready. Uh-oh. Like they introduced the idea that he could be the thing. And yeah. I was like, Whoa, they, they just took its main character and they just turned this into a scenario where like, you know, he actually might be the thing. We didn't see him at this time mm-hmm. when the lights went off and all right. and, uh, Fuchs dies. You know, like you know, he's probably dead. And McCready was the last one. The power goes out. They it's find the clothes. The they clothes. cut him off. Yeah, you're not with him. Right. And you're like, you know, oh god, he actually could be the thing. And then he breaks back in, and he's got the dynamite. And I was like, I don't think. But he's, he, you know, he's he's fighting for his survival. Yeah. Yeah. And I had not seen a, uh, you know, I was seventh grade. You know, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen too many different movies at that point. But I was like, I've never seen a film. That had done that with its main character, I was like, that impressed me, right, a lot. Something that kind of comes to mind, at, at least, not it's not the big greatest comparison, but something that comes to mind is Psycho, mm. uh, where like halfway through the film, just spoilers for Psycho, the main character dies, and you're just like, oh, now we have, now we're focusing on completely different characters, and it's just like. Yeah, but I've never made. It's hard to think of any film ever that just makes you doubt the main character to the point where it's mm-hmm. like he could just be like, he could be the antagonist of the story now. Yeah, and I think that really impressed me, and into the whole paranoia of the group. Right, mm-hmm. um, that's a big. That's a big word you just used right there. Yes. I mean, it's the the whole reason the movie is so exciting because mm-hmm. you just you. I don't know what kind of film you call it or what kind of the thing was, but it's like, you know, it's basically when it gets to the meat of the whole thing, mm-hmm. it's one location, one bunch location. of dudes stuck there right. with mm-hmm. this thing that you can't tell if it's taken over your buddy or not. You know? Exactly. And, and it, he looks like your buddy, talks like your buddy. You have all this history. Yes. And how are you going to ruin that? How are you going to go against that programming? Yeah. Like you have that scene with Gary is like, you know, I've known was it Hopper or no, Bennings. Bennings. You know, I don't know Bennings mine like my whole life. I've known him for 10 years. He's my friend. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, that's not him anymore. Man. We got to burn him. That's a dangerous, him. dangerous villain, dangerous monster that looks like your best friend. <laughs> wow. So um, is that going to wrap it up for your initial thoughts, you think? 
Um, I'd say so. I think the last thing I'd mention is I don't know if this would be the time to bring it up or like later, but there's also like the PS2 game. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. And yeah. you know, I had a PS2 when I was in seventh grade, right. and I had bought that, and I like I fell in love with the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have never beaten it because I think a, you you need a flamethrower to beat the game right. because you can't kill it without it. And what, I ran out it? of fuel, and that's as far as I got. Whatever part that was, but. You need an actual flamethrower in real life? Well, not in like real life, but in the game, you need to find like enough fuel to burn the bigger ones that aren't just like a head running around or something. But yeah, that that was a really fun game, and that kind of fueled my further the thing love because it's like oh now and now I can play like I'm in the story of it, you know? Exactly, and it's like a kind of newer type of story ish, right? Yeah, that's yeah. The game acts as a sequel to the '82. Perfect, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of fun. All right, Raj, uh, when did you first hear, hear about the film, and uh, what are your initial thoughts? It might have been something like Watch Mojo, where it's like, oh, The Thing mm. this is one of the scariest movies ever made. And I must have watched it around my teens. I can't tell you, because I've watched this film multiple times, and just like every time, I just I love the film so much. It's uh, one of the greatest horror movies ever, and like I said in the teaser last time, uh, one of the greatest Lovecraftian stories ever made. Uh, that isn't inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Okay, but I mean, it's I mean, uh, it's it's not taken from one of his books, but you can definitely feel the Lovecraftian influence in it. Uh, God bless the crew, but especially, but a special shout out to Rob Bottin, the special effects artist. He uh, he put so much Absolutely. work and effort into it. Uh, he like stay. Uh, there would be days where they're working on the film, and he would just sleep in the set mm-hmm. just to sure. Just yeah, I think it was work- like for a full year straight. Oh yeah, just- and it was like after after it was all done, he had to like go to the hospital just to make sure he was like mentally all right. I it believe was- he was twenty two. Yeah, also. somewhere oh, around goodness. there. And it's so just like, young. Yeah, like Rob Oteen, He's uh, he's. Uh, he did a lot of stuff. He did. Uh, I think he designed the RoboCop costume, uh, and uh, he did other things. I know he previously worked on the Fog. With mm-hmm. Carpenter. The Fog. He he done things like that. Uh, but yeah, like I think he got. Oh yeah, he did uh, Legend. He he was a oh, special effects makeup with Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. Yeah, I think oh, three, three years later. Yeah. yeah, the Devil with big old horns. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that movie. In the pie, they're in the pie. Yeah. Uh, such but, a good movie. But uh, yeah, like Rob Bottin put his heart and soul into this film, and it this film is great. It's awesome, mm-hmm. but it also makes me sad considering it's a, such a failure financially. Financially, it is a failure. Same weekend as Blade Runner in the Ouch. bomb and recent well, et 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 came beforehand. That's it. E.T.'s a killer. I just find it funny that even critically, it wasn't even well-received at the time. I, you know, probably given because of the E.T. Right. Yeah, because um, you have a good alien. You have a, a positive mm-hmm. alien story. And you have a negative alien story. It's like... Mm-hmm. Hugely negative. Yeah, hugely negative. Like, we're going to kill you, alien. And yeah. then E.T. is just, I just want to go home. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to go home. We we my kind. I'm lost. And you're watching dudes' bellies open up. Exactly. people's arms. The, and then, like, yeah, with his hands... I don't. Showing. I don't quite know how John Carpenter feels about the film today. Like you know, maybe he maybe he thinks it's it's a good film, but uh, maybe because of the reception it got, maybe makes him feel bitter towards it. I know he I know he heard from the the director of the original film, and like the director was making fun of John Carpenter's version. It's like it's just a advertisement for J and B, and like I think John Carpenter took that pretty badly it was just like oh i would feel by now i mean the amount of mm-hmm. i think in the what is it the the thing the ter- terror takes shape the documentary mm-hmm. um 
that he, when that documentary was made in the 90s, like he seemed, at least then, like mm-hmm. I don't know how he feels now now, and I wonder how he feels now even after, I mean, COVID's still happening. Yeah. Um, but especially when you had like lockdown and people staying in their homes and the sickness that you won't know until later if you have it. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple um, of weeks later. But the remnants of distrust within a community, and there was a line he says in that doc where um, the end doesn't come, like, because this was part of his, what is now known as his, like, Apocalypse trilogy. Oh. Of The Thing, The Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness. And I, I wonder if that was just an area where he was just so, I think just John Carpenter in general is just kind of like a straightforward nihilistic dude. Cause right. His opinions are usually like, nope, I hate that. Nope, that sucks. Yeah. This is how the world is type of thing. He and definitely has a negative view. His this, line in that was like, you know, the end doesn't come from bombs. It comes from within. Like our mm-hmm. apocalypse won't come from like a world war. It'll come from the division of others and of not trusting each other in our communities. And no. of recent political climates, I think that's that's kind of kind of what's been happening these last few years. Not to get into like all that, but that's... Yeah, no, that's a good that's, point. I think it's very uh, evident that that's happened. To get through all this, we're kind of work as a team. Yeah, and uh, if we're gonna work against each other, mm-hmm. we're gonna like just repeat history and just kill each other off until we're all dead. Can't be uh, can't be stated enough. Greatest performance by a dog ever. Yes. Okay. Uh, just the way that dog is just, just walk- didn't like seeing it. You know, well, it's uh, according to that doc. Also, it's a half wolf, half dog. Mm-hmm. So it's stare that it would do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because I always was like, that's like how they train that dog to just do that. That like that know. stare. Not like even just not move when it's sitting in the kennel. Um, just, just, yeah, like when it goes into the kennel, Clark, Clark even just looks at it. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. And the actor of Clark mm-hmm. um, was even like, there's moments when that dog would just have this moment where it stops and stares. And if it did that, for the most part, when it was not in the acting of it, mm-hmm. means that it was like mad and it mm-hmm. was just like, bat, like just take it easy. Because it's, it's that wolf side of it mm-hmm. that he uh, was saying that you had to just be cautious. But once it grew to love you, you know. Just every time, like it just cuts to it. It's just like you—you you just know it's planning something or just thinking about how to proceed. And it's just when you get to the kennel scene, it just culminates, and you're just like, "Oh God, they should have killed this dog way earlier." Yeah. Okay. I had catched a film viewing of it, like on on 35 millimeter oh. at the Cleveland Cinematheque a while oh, for back. real. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. I think like a decent amount of the audience has, had not seen the film. Oh boy! And I think there was quite a few dudes Did who brought uh, oh their wives or their girlfriends or their sisters. See or what I mean? See what I mean about not a date dog scene? Yeah, that would not, yeah, it's not a, unless they like they love horror. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you get to that, and I always give the. I think when I had uh, our coworker Joe watch yep. the film recently, I was like, "Hey, uh, be cautious." I don't know if you want to see what happens to this dog, but as soon as you start here growling, if you don't want to see something nasty happen to a dog, don't like just close your eyes. But eventually, like you're gonna have to watch that. Like right, you Mm -hmm. can't. That's like a whole ten minutes. You shut your eyes, but oh yeah, just that's the hardest scene to watch. It's just misery with dog harming uh, dogs getting harmed, and you're just like, oh god. Uh, But. yeah, you hear the like the dudes and the ladies in the viewing just go like, "Oh god!" Like just they start like, "Oh!" And one, yeah. one of the things, yeah, uh, one of one of the things I love about this film is just how people might consider this film to be a slasher f- film. I don't consider it to be that. I feel like it's just something beyond that because the thing, it's not like it's doing like gory kills and whatnot. It's just kind of like sneaks up on you and just kind of absorbs you into right. its like collective. There's this one great little moment at the end 
after Blair has, you know, overtaken Gary. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Just the when he starts dragging Gary away, his hand, uh, Blair's hand, is like fused into his into Gary's face, and it's just dragging away. And it was like, oh. that is awesome. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cool looking. All right. So, um, are you all set with your initial thoughts then, Roger? Uh, I might be, but okay. oh my god, there's so much to talk about. I feel about like it kind of just went right into the interpretation. <laughs> right. Well, 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 not interpretation. There's, uh, uh, well, we might have. We right. might have talked about that. So, if I can take it from here, mm-hmm. um, yeah, my first uh, time I've seen this film, probably on cable. Um, you know, seeing all the gory because uh, on HBO or Cinemax, one of the two, because we had both growing up, and that kind of they're kind of the same channel. Mm-hmm. Um, might have even been on showtime maybe could Um, could have been possible because um back in the day early 80s i'm talking like 84 85 i can remember back that far um i uh my uh, my dad used to uh have an antenna pointed at the terminal tower from our house it had a direct line of sight and then through that antenna we could pick up showtime if we just like turned on the antenna and turned it on at a certain frequency and we would get all these movies and I'm sure I've had to have seen it then because it was probably on cable and I think after a year it would go on cable right so the thing came out 82 so 83 it definitely had to, I think that's where I might have seen it I don't think I watched the whole movie just probably some of it because it's always kind of always been a movie I've known about and, and seen before and like I don't can't pinpoint the exact time but but i did sit and watch it after i bought the 2002 video game because it came with a copy of the thing so that's when i like first sat down start to finish checked out the movie loved the movie didn't want the movie to end it was like a quick movie mm-hmm. uh, i don't know how many minutes but 109 minutes but um i wanted more Played the video game, same thing, got to a part where I couldn't, you know, same thing. Couldn't get past and then put it down because there's other stuff. Mm -hmm. But I loved it. I loved how they did it. Um, Loved the game. Loved the movie. Um, Loved it. Uh, And, and, um, yeah, and I wanted more. And then there isn't much more in 2011, but I don't know if I've ever caught that. I know you gave me a copy. Mm -hmm. I haven't gotten to watch it. All right. So um, my initial thoughts on... um, the thing is, why is Mac in charge? That's my only question. Like, what is he? Why does he get to be the guy calling the shots? I mean, the other guy, the shoots, um, the um, these are just my questions, really. Um, that shoots the Norwegian. That's Gary. Tr- Gary, right? He's. I thought he was the boss. Well, at, at a certain point, you can't trust him because he was one of the few people who could get into the blood. Right. At that point, they can't really trust Gary. But, I think they kind of worked as a group until the blood bit, and then yeah, that's right. when Gary was like, "That's where everyone had, down." Yeah, but like Max in charge, like everyone listens to Mac. Ma- Mac, Mac calls is, the shots. It's like, Kurt Russell. Yeah, I know, I know, and I understand <laughs> and, that. And, but and like, it's also like he's one of the few people who's like calm and collected, and is like sure. and like people will listen to. Because he's more and assertive he, and, and and more assertive. Okay. And he's like when they even when uh, when uh, what is it Norris. Yeah, Norris. Mm-hmm. When Norris is like asked, and he's like, I, "I don't know if I'm up to it." Mac is like the only one willing to take charge, even though he's like the one guy who's like 
who's like who before he was completely uninterested but when it's something where it's like this is really serious it's like okay i have to step up and take charge excellent because when childs tries to go for it people are going like okay so he's just a natural leader and everyone is just kind of like i think that says something okay mm -hmm. um to me it's a lot like the movie clue you know because they're like who's the killer and they're like and then they split up oh yeah and clue and like they split up in this movie um um, the the fade to blacks are kind of weird because they're like oh, uh, I don't that, know. It, it I seems think it's like kind of like a lot of older yeah. Yeah. films will do that. It kind uh, of seems like there's like time that you know it seems like time passes. Yeah, all that's, a modern film that kind of does that. Right. I know. I know. There's a. I know. There's a story about how when uh, when the film came out, the ed- uh, the editor got like was made fun of by other editors because like as I guess that was almost like a out of out of date like form of editing or something. Yeah. And then um, it reminded me of the playing the game Half Life. Mm-hmm. Um, I played the original Half Life on my computer, my Pentium Two, and um, wow. the face huggers, you know, yes, those little jump at you. yeah, and mm-hmm. get me every time. Mm-hmm. This that that little head that was they, they grew spider legs. Like I hated how everything grew spider legs. <laughs> Creeped me out. You like, gotta watching be the... effing kidding me. <laughs> yeah. That's the most. That's the most well deserved like f bomb drop ever. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, just like I. And, and then they, 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 it's a close-up of everything growing out of everything. It's just like so ooh, puts the, you. That, that that scene in the kennel when like those like legs start oh, yeah. growing yeah. out of yeah. dogs. Every, yeah, that, that, that's one of the most impressive things for me. It's just like the fact that it has like little spikes or something out of it. Right. And you're like oh, the goo, the the hands getting eaten by the that flower thing that opens with all the dog oh, teeth gosh. inside, made yeah, of dog just, tongues. So like, many it, gory <laughs> imagery, and it's all practical, and it's mm-hmm. all like filmmaking, like finding out. Um, how to solve problems to make it all work and all look right. I mean, hats off, 100%. Um, you can't do this today. They would, you know, it would be probably super expensive. Um, and nobody knows how to do it anymore. It's all through computers, I'm sure. I mean, sure, there's people that are purists that, that definitely. Say, like, yeah, there's definitely. Some um, people around. James Wan loves a lot of practice. Like, he fuses practical and siege when it comes to his horror. But mm-hmm. okay. I mean, there's still, yeah. like, horror stuff out there. But uh, I might have said the wrong thing there there's, there's <laughs> also like you know more indie developers there's uh there's a uh, not indie developers but there's indie like directors out there what was it the void it came out a while mm-hmm. ago i remember They're, that one yeah. but, but that's like a lower budget indie thing i believe okay yeah uh, probably like i don't i guess you probably what throw hereditary in there that's practical yeah for the most part i believe okay it seems. see this is good this mm-hmm. is what i need to know because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in tune with like all the stuff. Although so with hered- heredit- hereditary, it's not like bodies yeah, not morphing and things yeah. like that. As so. If you're just talking practical and horror, yeah, but. And then uh, I just want to talk about the uh, the composer. Maybe my last thing. Ennio Morricone. Yeah, the I, legend. Yes, R. absolutely. R. I totally saw the heard the connections between that and mm-hmm. the Hateful Eight and. Yeah, if you go pick up a <laughs> vinyl of it or a CD of the soundtrack, all of a sudden you might be like, "Wait, I for, heard that in Hateful Eight. Right. Yeah. So for any any who are not aware, uh, a lot of the soundtrack, I believe, did not get used in uh, the thing. Uh, Ennio Morricone made this whole score, and a lot of it didn't get used. So Quentin Tarantino, he got a hold of the soundtrack and just started using it for the Hateful Eight. Because okay. Ennio had, I think he did the score. I think for Hateful Eight. Yeah, he did the overture and mm-hmm. everything for that. You can which, totally see it. Yeah. And uh, oh, one super last thing, one thing. PPS, Dean uh, Cund- Cundy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
uh, we got a shout out to him and, and all his great work. And this is just another uh, example of. Yeah. And I just saw him on the Book of Boba Fett, his episode, which is awesome. Yeah, I think um, he shot quite a few on that on the, that show so far. So it's awesome he's still around, and awesome work. You know, uh, special shout out to John Carpenter. It, uh, John Carpenter, if you ever hear this, which you probably won't, but if you ever hear this. I am so sorry we weren't ready for your movie back in the 1982. Uh, it, I, uh, I'm sorry it was a flop. You deserve to have a, have had a better career than, you know, everyone just kind of hating this movie. It did not deserve all the hate. Okay. And then that's going to lead us into our interpretation. So, mm-hmm. Tom, take it away on interpretation. Well, your kinda, Your interpretation. At least kind of similar to what I mentioned earlier, that kind of paranoia, the distrust within the group now i think in seventh grade i don't really think i had anything life experience Mm -hmm. or i paid attention really to what was going on in the world to really connect it with right um but at least at the time even reading up into it that you know the red scare that was back from the 50s to 80s which i think even the original 50 film right uh, Mm -hmm. has a bit of that like the fear of communism there you go um so I think that kind of plays a part in the AIDS. I mean, like the the AIDS, AIDS scare, because that was kind of that was happening. The epidemic of uh, HIV. Mm-hmm. HIV was big. Um, I mean, it was, it was rampant. And at least I could probably say for my interpretation now, which having still, you know, we're still going through the effects of, of COVID. Um, that I think it probably now and after many years of more life experience in seventh grade, um, I, I just think the distrust and the tearing apart of of one another from friends and family when this when something is introduced that causes these these folds and foils between one another i think it's just way more evident to me now um than it was when i was in seventh grade so i guess that's kind of that'd be my kind of interpretation it's well said do you think that knowing about this film and knowing what happens kind of helped you prepare for something that's kind of happening in this world right now do you think it kind of helps you process what's going on i don't know if helping me process or because in one way, I mean, it's process of elimination was just kind of like death, you know? Because yeah. um, once someone had turned, there was there's no going back. And I guess more so in the political landscape of today, that is, I think it's kind of a lot of evidence or kind of like, you know, why, kind of a weird link to this, but in tools music, you know, mm-hmm. fear inoculatum, that's yeah. injecting a fear within a community and the distrust and, you know, that... I think that all this kind of stuff kind of goes hand in hand. I hope that doesn't mean I'm just becoming into a nihilist, but um, <laughs> it's certainly something that, as of as I'm getting older, you know, I'm not that old, but as I'm seeing the world more uh, with older eyes, I mean, yeah, I think from that nihilist inside that hopefully doesn't just take over. Um, but I, I've I've noticed kind of what that film has been saying more and more. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, so, Roger, you want to take it, uh, your meeting, your pr- interpretation of... Um yeah, just to kind of add on to what Tom was saying, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, infections, things like that. Uh, as you were saying it, I was kind of thinking the only real way to understand the disease or whatnot is by taking a blood test or analyzing, you know, people's blood and things like that, you know, which kind of relates back to, you know, how you would test diseases these days as well. And... Uh, yeah, one of the scariest things, while the thing is scary, I think some of the more terrifying things to me is just how everyone, like, turns on each other, just are willing. Yeah, the scene when everyone thinks McCready is the thing, and, like, they're just desperate 
desperate the, to the tell. Doubt runs quick. Like it's yeah. immediate of a shift of how they feel based upon just even one person's. The only way he got out of it was was like, if you kill me, I'm gonna blow up this dynamite. And it's just like that's the. They were so desperate that if he didn't have any way of defending himself, they would have killed him. And like Childs is like going, you have to sleep at some point, McGrady. And he goes like, I'm a real light sleeper, Childs. <laughs> and it's just like. Just almost the the way everyone treats each other is almost as terrifying as the thing itself. Well, I the mean, immediate it, distrust as yeah. soon as some kind of source already is saying like, mm -hmm. "Hey, uh, this guy's turned," I don't. But the other person's not there to back it up. But they already immediately believe. That's the thing. It's like they're so quick to uh, turn on people, um, and that speaks a little bit. I don't want to say this, but like human nature is very, you know, you're very selfish as far as like your inner thoughts yourself you're trying to protect yourself even when you're trying to protect other people or look like you're protecting other people i'm, I'm going to speak like me i guess i'm not going to generalize <laughs> it kind of says a little bit uh, about who i am but like you know um i i understand self-preservation -pres i guess mm -hmm. so i think this movie talks about that kind of stuff uh, uh there's even that one moment when they're doing the blood test and you know nobody, nobody wants to die yeah, yeah nobody <laughs> wants to die Paul, Palmer you know after the Palmer incident where he turns and attacks everyone there's that moment where you know McCready gets back to testing the blood and he looks at Null and you know he's testing Nulls and even Nulls looks afraid it's like I don't know if I'm the thing you yeah. know it's just even that fear where it's like you might even start questioning yourself. It's exactly. just like terrifying you, you just all the way through. You just don't know what's out there mm -hmm. and, and, and then with the whole thing coming from outer space mm -hmm. I'm sorry it's like all, all things are on the table. All, you know, everything's on the table as far as what this thing can do. And that might even be a point as well. It's just like, we don't know what's out there. Because, mm -hmm. like, after this, he made Starman. Right. Uh, John Carpenter did. Uh, but it's like, we don't know what's out there. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be really, really bad. And it's just like, all these, all these scenarios, all, right. the, all these possibilities, and some of them are not good. Right. Um, so I've got... For my interpretation, I think you got paranoia is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Paranoia of your neighbors, um, you know, that they look like normal people. They act like normal people. But, you know, are they normal? You never know. You never know. Or by, you know, or even your definition of normal versus the neighbor's <laughs> yeah. definition of normal to, towards you. you <laughs> exactly. Know? I could be weird, I, you know, for sure. Um, definitely big on trust. Mm -hmm. they, they say trust in this film. And trusting your gut be like that's a real person you have to do that in this film or else like why why would why would um mccready pick these certain people like because he can follow their footsteps and he knows that they're not infected or whatever because they couldn't be because they just in the right place and wrong you know like he ties up a certain amount like those guys get tied up you come with me you, you know like he knows he's trusting his gut he or his thought process can't trust anyone but we especially can't trust these three people exactly that's so crazy and then they're tied up next to the guy that's deforming oh, oh it's terrifying it's so on the edge of your seat i know just everyone's screaming mm, boy. Uh, specifically i just think of child's screaming just right specific uh, he just has some really good screams in there oh boy and then um i'm gonna speak to the cold war yes mm -hmm. but i'm gonna yeah. talk about spying um you know because um um, definitely um, it's happening I'm sure there were spies in our country and there uh, I watched the Americans and you know what I mean like they look like Americans they talk like Americans but they were secretly sending information back to the, you know communist 
country, uh, to, you know, to Soviet Union. So I think I think that was happening in this time. Uh, you brought up the HIV, which is awesome. Um, not awesome, but that, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I think that kind of really comes in, and specifically the blood scene. Right. But right. That I mean, that was happening. Sure, I think it was the beginning of it. Um, it happened like a little Carpenter, bit later. I mean, he ended up making they live. It's not like putting political undertones. I mean, that one's quite literal, but that one's through aliens again. Yeah. It's kind of like his use of aliens as his way to say what he's been trying to say. And then uh, Fear of the Unknown. Um, yeah, which Fear of the Unknown. It was, which is like, I mean, if you don't know, we, we don't know what's going out there. In the, in the, in the, uh, um, and we're just a small part of this entire, like, you know, universe. And we're not in charge, um, you know. Newsflash. Some, it's not, you know, we're not the dominant species sometimes. Sometimes the scariest thing you can ever experience is just the stuff that comes up in your head. Absolutely. Just what you make up. Absolutely. Which uh, which I think this film does especially well. Absolutely. You, you think you know, sometimes you might just look at the, the gore in this film and you just, maybe your brain makes it worse when you remember it or something. Right. So um, that's going to lead us to some uh, behind the scenes. Any. Uh, Anything that you have to add to um, that we've already that haven't we haven't really discussed? I guess there's really three things or four things. I guess a little bit more some of the behind the scenes of some of the effects, um, like the dog one. I think something there's a great combination of not only obviously having the actual physical thing made, mm-hmm. but there's a combination of animatronics, the stop motion, and even puppetry. And the dog one is one I think where Rob Bottin. Obviously, he had helped create it, but Stan Winston yeah. um, had helped in that. And I always kind of thought it was... It's never really stood out to me the first time I watched it. But like at the end, you can tell there's the stop-motion tentacles and stuff, at, at least when it pulls down that dynamite. Mm-hmm. Stan, but in when, the dog scene, what, what, when it's already changed... How many times? Like, 137? <laughs> uh, Stan Winston came in because Rob Poutine was just so tired. Yeah. Okay. He, was, he was exhausted from all the work he was doing. I'm so sorry, when I the dog's head... Kind of like it has, they do this big shot of the dog as it's sitting on the ground and mm-hmm. its head comes towards, and that's when it opens and does the screech. That the movement of that was like, that's not stop motion, that's mm-hmm. not animatronics, it's just like his hand through the head. So when it gets shot and it does this quick reaction back and like looking back at the people, I was like, oh, that totally is a puppet, that's just his hand going back and forth. And I think that balance throughout the entire film is such a, a showcase of all these talented people coming together for it. And especially when it got to the stomach scene. Mm. I think one of my favorite things that I found out was Hopper, the doc, right? Mm-hmm. He puts his hands in yeah. the stomach. Yeah. Well, what they had actually done, and I thought this was really clever. And like I'd, I would have probably just used a dummy, but they ended up just using, they found a guy whose arms had been cut off because of an accident. Right. So when Hopper, you get the close-up of his face when he yells when his, uh, his arms are cut off. But what they'd done is they made a mold of his face and made a mask out of it and put it on this guy who didn't have uh, arms, I think, past the forearm or wherever. And he's the one with the mask on that goes back in the shot as I just physically went back from the mic. <laughs> and he goes back and you see this guy with arms cut off. And if you look really closely, you can tell it's like something on his face. No way. But I thought yeah. the dedication to make that a real person falling back That's was great. just incredible. This, as a filmmaker, I mean, is there any great, I mean, knowing how they did it, do you just applaud or are you just in oh, awe? Yeah. I, I stand up, applaud, shout. <laughs> like I, 
obviously it's clear that the love that I have for this film is obviously immense yeah. but the then there's even like the unused effects that they had in the film like oh. at the very end you know how like it jump it comes out of the floor mm-hmm. well originally and I think Carpenter cut it because he just thought the stop motion just looked too stop motiony that or it's kind of still for like it's not really moving once it does this but it pops out of the floor and that dog that comes out of the middle it initially like got out and it was just like snaking on the fr- on the floor and they had this wide shot and they had built the whole room as a miniature and it was just stop motion like standing there as the dog thing jumps out and it's that's also now just sitting there and i think it was more so of it just sitting there that carpenter's like well i want it to look like it's doing something so let's just get this quicker and he blows it up and you know end the film okay but i thought that was cool they had they put all this work to make this miniature set and to the thing even like jumps out of it and it's still connected by this long thing you know and i thought that was just incredible or even the making of the spaceship and yeah. how practical that was and it still had like light up lights in it by i forget her last name but i know the model maker susan um like just incredible work like all, all across the board on it raj um stories behind the story uh well i do know like uh you know Unfortunately, this movie bombed, and this kind of led to a downward, not not, not a downward spiral, but this be, kind of be, began Carpenter's nihilism or uh, cynicism towards uh, Hollywood. This was the first, like, this was a major hit for him. Uh, I mean, not like a hit, like success, but it's more like a hit in the gut or something. But uh, behind the scenes stories, uh, you know, when the dog is walking around in the very superstitious song is playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the dog walks into that one room where there's some guy, and you know he look, he looks back. Uh, that is not an actor. That is just one of the crew members, so that we as the audience can't really tell who it is. <laughs> it's just adding into the, uh, it's just adding into the paranoia of like, who was that? Who was it? Was it Norris? Was it Palmer? Uh, apparently, John Carpenter kept the set very cold so that oh yeah he'd refrigerate the sets he refrigerated the set so that everyone would be miserable yeah yeah everyone would be still kind of be miserable it's it's like we're not in antarctica or whatever but we're still feeling the effects and uh there was one more yeah apparently every time oh oh there's two more actually uh apparently they kept the the props away from the actors so that when people would you know see the uh, the the thing monsters and whatnot. It would be the first time seeing it. Kind of like, kind of like Alien when the chestburster comes mm-hmm. out. It was their first time seeing it, and it was like in this movie as well. It's like the first time the actors would see it. And it was genuine reactions as well. It's like, oh god, oh it's terrible. Well, that's cool. That's and, a cool uh, way to do it. And uh, yeah, apparently the actors didn't know who the thing was. It's like they would all act normally, and then you know they would get fed the script a little bit every time, and then. When they got to the uh, when it came to their scene to be revealed, it's like, oh God, okay, so it was you, okay, yeah. So that's how the actors go about it. It's like they're discovering the thing. Just to, the actors are discovering the what the thing is right right when the characters are as well. All right. Um, my only story uh, behind the story is kind of like after the story or well, post story after the film was out. Mm-hmm. I had to go up against ET, which it completely could not could keep not. up. So, and that year, uh, when something like that comes out, I'm sure it dominates the um, the award ceremony. So, I was surprised that it was not nominated for any 
Oscars. Um, I know that's not like the benchmark for like filmmaking, but like as far as like appreciating the craft, like I don't think there's any higher award ceremony that you know that you could be um, a part of. And they were like completely snubbed. Completely. How many horror films have been nominated for Oscars? I don't know. I wonder, I, that's probably probably a good question. But if anyone should have been, I think this one should have been. Because I mean, it was just like hands down. Uh, just the craft. I mean, just come on. Like, well, Hollywood, give us, give us something. The score, even. Come on. The, the Oscars. Hate. Well, that got a Razzie, I think. A Razzie. I think. The, I think for worse. Yeah, I think the the I Oscars hate horror films. They absolutely despise horror films, and they don't want to include them at all. Uh, they, uh, it's Look, like why why have a movie, why have an Oscar, why have like uh, an award ceremony and not include a whole genre of film? Because it's all also about the people money and appearances and people hated this film. They didn't want to go back and look at it. They didn't want to see the gross film. It's it, they didn't want they Maybe, didn't want to give this movie credit. What about like having a, a category where like oops that one slipped the cracks? Oscar. Let's I knew, give that one uh, like a like a like a mem- like cult classic. I do know uh, that the, uh, Oscar. I don't know. Am I, do, I, am I thinking way out of line here? Um, you tell I do, me. I do know <laughs> they have like legacy awards. Like I think David Lynch got one uh, sometime later or something like that. Okay. Uh, it might might not be David Lynch, but it was someone. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think Hollywood doesn't quite care for John Carpenter, even though he made some of the greatest films ever. Okay. But John Carpenter's also not one to hold his tongue about anybody. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, okay. you can so, find interviews where he dogs Lucas Spielberg, Palma, mm-hmm. like all of them. Good, everybody I mean, has yeah, a voice. Yeah, you have He's, your own voice. He, yeah. it's just very interesting. I I saw back at the time him just dogging on him. I, it's all like, right. Damn. I mean, he, I saw, Lucas doesn't have an Oscar like literally for anything like other than a, you know a, a, a great job. Twenty years later, type I of just award. Had Four billion dollars to yeah. spend the rest of my life with from the. <laughs> From the Star Wars acquisition, it's not about the it's not about the award. It's about like the recognition that these mm-hmm. people are like pioneers in their industry. Although, and how do you not award them for that? I don't know. To what you were kind of saying, Tom, I remember I saw a John Carpenter interview where he was talking about like, you know, he was friends with this one guy at a certain time in life, and you know, he I can't remember who it was exactly. It's a filmmaker, but it's like as time went on, the guy became more and more su- successful, and it's like he became more in love with himself and John Carpenter was just kind of not in, into that he was just like it feels less genuine you feel less genuine and you're feeling uh, it's just something where it's like he doesn't like the Hollywood system at all and he's very very against it in a lot of ways and he's cynical how about this instead of like an awards how about the Oscars let's just start something how about like a Hall of Fame we start we started like a Hollywood Hall of Fame or something, and if that's the case, then this this film should be like in it. Yeah, <laughs> I know? think the Academy themselves just started like a museum, but I don't know if they have films that didn't win or nominated in there. I'm not sure. Okay, I haven't really looked into it. I do. Um, I do know that Hollywood has the like library of the most important films. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Congress one. Yeah, the Library of Congress. Yeah, Library yeah. of Congress. I guess that's like a Hall of Fame. But like, I wonder if it's in there. I don't know. Yeah. I, cool. I would hope. I would hope that John Car- that that something related to John Carpenter is in there. All right. So, Tom, the moment you've been waiting for. How can you make this film better? I think when watching it. I generally, um, well, on Letterboxd, if you find me on Letterboxd, um, shout out. But to me, I, I have such, and my definition of a, 
of a perfect movie, you know, obviously differs from person to person. And Absolutely. obviously, no, I don't think any movie's entirely perfect because there's moments in this movie when you have too many moments, I think, of a hesitation. But I can't say I've been in a moment where I see something morphing in front of my eyes that I've never seen in my life that then kills me. Um, so I can't speak on Windows' behalf, but there's definitely some moments, or like they walk off alone at the end, Nalls and Gary, and it's like, why'd you do that? Mm -hmm. Don't do that. But so much of the movie does things so well that I think for the most part, if I watch a movie where I'm like, you know, I'm really enjoying this, I'm loving it, I can usually kind of just forgive things like that because it's like, look, I, I know you need to have a monster moment, so just have the guy walk away, have the monster moment, do the cool effect. Because at the end of the day, this type of film, it's like, you were watching it for the paranoia, but we're also watching it for the monster moments. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if, if we got to get a monster moment by killing off Gary, you can kill Gary. Yeah. Plus it might be really dumb, but <laughs> get the monster moment that looks really epic. Plus, they were setting up charges in, at that scene, right? The, yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, can, I could kind of excuse Gary. Nalls does seem like a bit more... I guess there was a bit better... There was a more, like, appropriate death for Nalls or something in the script, but I guess that got cut. But with Gary, I can kind of believe it. With Nalls, maybe not so much. Yeah, there's... I think, mean, like, the window's just not blasting, just standing there. Like, it, But it's not... It doesn't lessen my experience of the scene. It's just kind of what I'm watching it, and I'm like, do something. But then, like, I I can't speak on how I would be in that yeah. scenario, you know? I know people that the, the freeze flight or fight, you know? Mm -hmm. Plus, he had... Did, I don't know. Did, Plus, he did have a head injury at that point. Mm -hmm. So it's like maybe it could have been a factor or something, but it's just like, but you like, know. Overall, I mean, I don't know if it's just because I've seen it so much that I, I can't imagine it going any other way. Okay. Because um, usually if I watch a film for the first time now, I could be like, oh, I feel like I would have done this, I would have done this. Or not just even story or technical, just even how, like the act, just anything, you know? But okay. I think when I think of this film, it's, it's so ingrained as it is to me that I really can't think of a way that That's I would great. massively improve it. Because when I do, I'm like, well, but no, but they make you doubt the main character. Right. Uh, but then, you know, they get they get the little bit of the sci-fi of the ship. So you get the continuation that the alien had its own agenda. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just doing the person stuff. It was also finding a way to escape. And I'm like, you know, it's doing all these things. And I'm like, I, I can't. Those moments of hesitation from the actors, like I can't really count that against it because it's doing all these other things so well. We might have found it's, our first it, si perfect science fiction. It's it's film. so it's so it's so beyond your understanding. Like when Palmer just jump jumps up to the ceiling and oh you're just goodness. like, what the, what how? And, and you're just like dumbfounded and it's just like his head is splitting open, teeth mm. are forming, and you're just oh, like, yeah. Yeah, blast it, or I, your your mind may not just may have trouble processing what you're looking at. So, all right, Raj, how can you make it better? I can't. Okay, Lido. All right, enough said. And uh, for this one, for me, I would uh, I put in a female, and also I would the ship just kind of threw me because I'm like Blair made a ship like. That fast? Yeah, he he he. he well, that's how, we don't know how the thing thinks. I know, know, and it's like wow, like that was quick and a whole tunnel and a. He ship. did not waste that time. He, no, he, like, Blair I mean, Blair was efficient. Yeah, while they're doing that blood when, test, I'm assuming that's when he's doing it. Okay, while he's in there. Plus, so plus we don't we don't know how when he got to work on it. It could be sure. that he's been working on it all day or and something. He snuck all those metal parts the, down there. And the parts you know? are like I thought they were blown up from the helicopter. That's all like not not. Well, there, there was McCready's helicopter. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's true. Okay, cool. There was that one. Um, uh, if you, true, if you, if you want, the Norwegian one blows up. Yeah. yeah. If you want a female thrown in there, 
one, there already is. It's the wizard, chess wizard. Uh, sure. Two, sure. Uh, the 2011 version, main character is a female. Okay, so there you go. There's She's mm-hmm. just, just dead. Okay. Um, that's fine. Um, you know, that's a good question. I don't know how... I guess it depends on what you were gonna, what she would do. You know, yeah. if it was already like, just nothing, just yeah, just know. be the comms officer instead of Windows. Like, just have it be a female. That's all. Just because there's other people, like I not just dudes get this these jobs. Yeah. That's yeah, all. Yeah, but Represent. I mean, it, it wasn't it, it <laughs> wasn't eighties time. I don't know. Understandable. Like like. You'd have to ask Carpenter. He's and the one that I think in the dark. He's like, I just wanted to make it more streamlined and not have any romance. There's no. It's not if about you, romance. Oh no! Oh no! I just that's if just you what throw Carpenter in said. I, yeah, I if you throw really in the female, probably audiences would go like, why didn't you include a romance or something? And it doesn't just, have to have a romance. I'm just saying. No, like, no, but I feel like people would go. It's just like people would think, oh god, there needs to be a romance or something, and it's yeah. just like you just exclude that factor entirely. Which that's I think just, even the 2011, it doesn't doesn't really do a romance. It doesn't, so like I said, it doesn't there, need, so. I'm just saying, yeah. just represent oh, yeah, no. the other side of humans. Um, but maybe one of those dogs was female. Who knows? Anyways, um, final thoughts. Um, well, I guess before I probably would this be the area probably to mention the 2011 one in a little bit. Uh, what recommendations? We'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I probably want to just thank, if I could, just all the cast and the crew that were part of that film. That's awesome. For oh, yeah. making that film, and you know, I even in that doc where the Rob Bottin's just like, "Hey, weren't you the guy who did the effects on the thing?" And he's like, "Yeah." Or when you know, there's probably people that whoever walk up to Carpenter now that thank him for the film. I would imagine so. Or the amount of people who obviously love this online and have okay. come to love it through the ways of, like, how I saw it off of just YouTube, you know? And how you saw it off of just, like, cable. Yeah. You know, that's... I just, I'm just thinking, well, the film exists. Exactly. I know very how I know how hard it is to even make a film in the right. first place, bad or good. Right. Um, so I think it's just existing. It makes... it. It's, a, it's sparked my imagination for yes. literally years. So Thank you for taking the time to thank them. Oh, that is an awesome thing to do. It, it, yeah, like it can't be stated enough. Like uh, th- this, uh, th- this film was made at a time where I don't think people were ready for it. it it's just poor timing all around. Uh, everyone involved should not feel ashamed for all the work they put into it. It's one of the one of the greatest horror films ever, uh, and I can't throw enough praise at it. There's so much we still haven't like talked about. This film is so quotable. It, it, there's so many times where it's just like. When I was taking my notes for this film, I just kept, I just kept writing down quotes because just the way lines are said or delivered, or just even just things I might have noticed. Yeah, just, I, I think our goal here is maybe to start a discussion, mm-hmm. you know, and and have people uh, discover films mm-hmm. and rediscover them, and for other people, and um, you know, like this doesn't have to be the end of this discussion. We can mm-hmm. continue this online or whatever, or however mm-hmm. you want to, or have another episode. Um, you're right down the hallway um, and, and if I, you ever want to come back. And I really even think that the themes of the film still resonate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Today, oh, yeah. Obviously, how we were talking about mm-hmm. it. Oh, just oh. hit all kinds of different just, just, angles. Just the scene when Wilford Brimley is destroying all, all the stuff in his quotes where it's like, the f- that thing wanted to be us. Or it's like, I'll kill you. And he's like shooting. It's just the way he delivers it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of Wilford Grimley. Windows, Wilford Grimley, I'm sorry. Wilford Brimley. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting. But uh, 
all those uh, he's just sitting there calmly like I want to get out like just let me out he's the thing you know? at that That's point so I'm all better now he throws in the man hey man I'm, I'm good hey, he, hey, is hey, to- man. he is totally the thing at that point okay it is a, I, I can't see it any other way like he, he wouldn't if he was still like you know you know what's great is like I'll rewatch the film after we talk about this I've, I've done mm-hmm. this before and like I'll appreciate the film even more yeah, knowing your guys' angles and, and, and everything. So, um, my last thoughts. If, were you finished, Raj? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think I am. Cool. Is um, question to you, Tom and Roger. Okay. You said that, um, and, and I got this from earlier. A question from you earlier. Um, you you took um, you took on the roles on your lunch table, like you were you and your yeah, friends. Yeah, the, my friends, we kind of took on the name, like we <laughs> for a bit. I'd, I mean, we play Xbox or something, and yeah. it'd be like, "Hey, Windows." And my right. friend, who had the nickname of Windows, given from the film, would be like, "Yo, yeah, dude, that's so cool." Like I kind of did something with the three amigos like that when my lunch table in middle school. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, one was Chevy Chase, one was you know Dan, uh, Steve Martin, and the other guy was uh, Rick. Uh, was it Martin Short, right? And then, um, anyways, how would you want to go? Like, in this film, if you had to go and you couldn't be Kurt Russell and anybody that survived, who um, who would you want to, like, how would you want to go? Like, you know, what, would, which, which, what's your preferred death, death scene? Even the dogs, if you want. Um, lighting a stick of dynamite and holding it up to it or something. Okay. I don't know. Blow up so it's instant. It's not... I don't know. Not feeling the bullet. Like, there's not even enough time to right. possibly feel the explosion. You just. Or, or being dead. ripped open. Yeah. Uh, yeah, gotcha. Roger? Well, hopefully not being ripped open. Yeah. yeah. Uh, getting a revolver, dousing myself in gasoline, lighting a flare, then blowing my head off. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I don't want to be absorbed by the thing. This thing could probably absorb my body after I'm dead. I'm not. I, I don't. That's like the preferred way, and I, and I understand what you're saying. Like, if you had to, like, choose one of the other uh, people that got killed oh, okay. in the film. Oh. Uh, and that's your wake, so let's go back. I would, I would go with Fuchs. Huh? Clark? Clark? Which one's Clark? Just shot in the head. Yeah, me too. That's exactly Not what I would say. Yep, me too. Not letting this alien touch me. S- right. Since it's taken, I'll go Fuchs. Fuchs? It's, it's terrible, but it's better than the thing. But he's all in flames, yeah. Yeah, it's it's better than being absorbed by the thing. And, and having my essential, essentially corpse right. being like puppeteered by this thing. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. I know you're right. Yeah, it's got to be quick. I don't want to like, oh, just like waiting around to like get, you know, what did he call it? Uh, assimilated. Assimilated. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I don't even know how the how like I don't even quite know how assimilating works. I know in, we took a dark regard. turn. I'm sorry at the end here, but this movie, this is where. It, oh yeah, you know, it's a dark. It's about. a dark top. Dark subject matter and right. things like that. But I, I feel like we'd all agree that the ultimate way to kill it's with a flamethrower. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that'd be awesome. yeah that it's, is cool. It's so stuff. lucky they had a flamethrower in, in that area. And then um, that's the thing. It's like aliens use flamethrowers. Flamethrowers are cool. Alien, yeah, very cool. Hmm. On moments of aliens at the end, yeah, attached to the gun. Okay. So um, that leads us into uh, recommendations, Tom. Like we we ask you what your um, we're going to do what you recommend, and then we'll come back and see what you're currently watching. Yeah. Um, I would. If you really want more trapped in the snow with a monster that morphs, I I would recommend the 2011. I would say don't hope. It's not as great, obviously, as Mm -hmm. the 82. Um, But I think from a sound design, the atmosphere, the look, 
I think kind of just the the feel of it. Yeah, the, the characters are dumb. So don't expect the smartest people as the eighty two. Oh. Um, but I would say that it has it has its own little method of like it doesn't have a blood test, but it's got its own. It's not probably as cool, but it was a way I'm like you know I didn't think about that. And then going from that same ideas that those ones bring up kind of changes my interpretation of the ending of the eighty two one oh. about who's human and who's the thing. If you go into the same route of the twenty eleven, yeah. But other films I'd out recommend that kind of have that same people trapped in an, a location, not sure who to trust. Um, yeah, Hateful Eight, of course. Of course. You know, Tarantino. Um, you Green Room. I don't know if, uh, if you've seen Green Room, but, you know, you, you got this punk Antonio band. Elchin. Yeah, you got this punk band stuck at, like, this bar in the middle of, like, a woods and Patrick Stewart and a bunch of these people play neo-Nazis, and they got to get out of there to survive because they witnessed something very bad, mm. and now they're keeping them there, or they might kill them. You, you know, you're not sure, but okay. they, they got to escape. Obviously, Alien. Okay. I think. People trapped in space. Sorry to think, yeah, you know, steal your thunder, bud. Yeah. Um, the descent. I think that's a that's a yeah. pretty good one. You know, trapped underground with these creatures. The unknownness at, at first until it's defined. Um, invasion of the body snatchers. I think is a given. Right. Um, I'd heard you guys mention this on one of your previous episodes, and as I was kind of thinking of films that are similar. Now, this isn't trapped to a location, but you have a group of people trying to deal with this unknownness, and nothing they do can obviously fully stop it, but. Uh, killing of a sacred deer right you just listen to that episode yeah today. um there's i was thinking about like there's a bit of this unknown they you know colin Farrell doesn't know how what to do besides follow what the kid says mm -hmm. and i think it's not directly correlated but i think there's kind of like a similar feeling in theme maybe um it comes at night which is a horror film that i remember seeing in theaters and i think me and my friend were the only people that loved it in the theater because uh, everyone else was groaning and hating on it when we were like, how are you hating this right now? Well, but that's like a bunch of people stuck in a house when there was, I think, a pandemic in the world. Mm. Wasn't, it, wasn't it marketed as like a horror movie? It was. I, it was marketed wrong. Yeah. It was totally marketed wrong. Um, but that was a film where you, you have these people that they don't know who's been infected by this disease and that alters how you act and how, pretty much how you feel. Um, if you're really going for all that all-out gore, with practical effects, I'd recommend the Evil Dead trilogy. Oh, oh yeah. The first I, two being the trapped in one location. I'm gonna clap, but yeah, I don't. I don't. You don't want to ruin your audio. You stole my. You stole my. You stole my recommendation. My. Uh, you, 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 it's my right. last recommendation. Now this one's kind of a toughie because it depends if you're a fan of Gaspar No or not. Um, and he makes pretty hardcore films. Not they're not really, as you could say, horror. But I, it kind of goes into a bunch of different genres. But his film Climax, which I loved, but I, I, I do not recommend this one lightly because all of his films deal with very nasty people in very bad scenarios. Um, but Climax, you have a bunch of these people that were practicing for this dance routine in this abandoned or this high school because there's a huge winter storm and they're stuck in this high school and then somebody drugs this punch and they all start losing their mind. Oh boy. Um, but in a similar fashion, and that film has very like long takes and it's shot very it's a very uncomfortable experience but similar kind of to the thing of you don't know who's going to do what at any moment that's a very i don't recommend that to everyone but i throw that recommendation in there if you're a fan of that kind of hardcore it's very hardcore was wasn't wasn't vanessa hutchins in that i thought i remember hearing something about that film she might be i i don't think so this one 
I, I definitely feel like I've heard of this film. I just I don't know if there's an English actor in it. Oh, okay. No, because Gasper, yeah. But that would be my recommendations. Okay, Raj. Uh, well, you brought it up, Lido, and I started thinking about it, and it's like, yeah, I guess Clue. Yeah. I, I guess Clue is a good one. It's just like you don't know who to trust and things like that. Uh, but I guess my main rec- recommendation would be Dead Space One and Two. Great games. Okay. Uh, uh, I think John Carpenter even stated, uh, it's like, I, I, I wouldn't mind directing a Dead Space game, but at this point he he's just done with directing and he's just working on his music and whatnot, and that's fine. A remake of Dead Space 1, I actually think, is coming. Oh, by yeah. the same, like it's pretty much looks the same, it's just very much updated for now. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm nervous about the remake, but... It's, it's pretty much just the... It's a huge graphical overhaul, basically. I, I hope. I hope. I hope. I hope it's just like that. Uh, I hope they don't change too much, but we'll see. Uh, any other recommendations? No, I, I, I think that's it. Okay. Um, you guys pretty much hit all all of mine, so I'm not going to repeat some of the ones you said. But um, you went, you know, dark and deep uh, with some of your recommendations, which uh, thank you for going there. Um, I don't even know some of the movies you talked about, but hopefully um, you you just set some people on a cool path and like you know they know these these movies. Um, so I'm gonna lighten it up and say Men in Black, Ooh. Uh, the original classic, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know there are movies about aliens and you're just kind of you know and there's one that's got you know trying to just do his thing and Men in Black are in his way. You know, it has a lot of great costumes, and yeah, the, I don't remember how much of it. I know there's definitely fusing of CGI and practical, right? But yeah, um, a great use of practical effects from what I can remember. Absolutely, yeah. Of all these think, different aliens and stuff. Go ahead, Raj. If I, uh, do you still have any any more recommendations? Just uh, or um, um, not really. No. Okay. Uh, if I can make an anti recommendation, I would not recommend the 2011 one. Uh, I think. It had a poor story that relied on the special effects, and I think the two, uh, the studio really butchered it with the special effects. Uh, I don't can't really fault the filmmakers that much because yeah, they had shot all practical, and then the studio decided for CG. But you were saying, you know, uh, there's a revelation in that that affects the 1982 version, and I think that affects the 1982 version in a very negative way, where it's like it's not ambiguous anymore. It's actually you know the story. Uh, you know the answer, and that was something John Carpenter never intended, and it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. But uh, that's uh, not saying anything against you, Tom. Mm-hmm. It's just just how I feel about the film. Well, see, my, like my same. I always thought McCready was just human in general, as oh, yeah. if that was gas in the bottle of because he was making Molotov cocktails that no child drinks and doesn't react, and then he laughs, and I was like, oh, I, is he just the thing? But though, if you go by the metal earring, then they're yeah. both human, but. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's something I wish they that the 2011 version never brought up. But uh, if you're if you're gonna watch it, watch it. I just think that it, it affects the film in a negative way. And there's when asked if we were if I would wanted to change anything about the original, I I feel no. There is so much I'd like to change about the 2011 version, but we can talk about okay. that at a later date. Sounds great. One thing I'm gonna back up, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna. One thing I wanted to add to my final thought. 
sorry to go backwards. Go ahead. Um, but be, you just reminded me, and I'm going to say it because I don't want to hate myself later for not saying it. Okay. I loved how McCready's costume was mm-hmm. the, the cowboy hat and, 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 <laughs> and the pistol. The big goggles. Oh my God. I love the every, jacket within a jacket that spews out of. So awesome. Oh, and then yeah. he's got the belt. Is, he's the one wearing the. The the holster right in the well in Gary is I think at first I okay. think he will later because okay. he takes control. Well, I think it's, it just fits him perfectly, um, and he's got the sidearm. I mean, it's just and then the bullets in the belt, like it's perfect in Wild a, West. In a weird note, I know I'm I'm usually one. I don't usually get too many haircuts. Yeah, but usually when it gets to winter, I like to have the beard with the kind of flowing. And it, I know it doesn't look like Kurt Russell's, but every time I, I I think about going outside when I have this exact hair length, I'm like, huh. Kind of like it, but not really. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, what are you watching now, Tom? Um, well, right now, uh, my girlfriend and I, we've been going through all of Disney's animated, and I think we just have Encanto left, which, you know, it's the one that just recently. Okay, Encanto. Yeah. Um, so we've been going through all the Pixar and all the Disney animated, like, all, at least theatrically released in America, uh, like 80-something movies, which a lot of ones I had not seen. Uh, besides that, um, I just started kind of rewatching a lot of Scorsese's films recently because, you know, dude's a master. I had just gotten the Zatoichi Samurai Collection films, which he's a, it's about a blind samurai. And he's got from like 1961 to like 73 made like 26, like within 11 years or something, made like 26 films with the same guy. Wow. Um, so I'm like, I've been kind of going through that and that's just really cool. I mean, that's straight up just samurai action but the guy's the samurai's blind like that's mm-hmm. just awesome oh yeah i'm familiar with zatoichi it's something i've heard um about. and i've been slowly chipping away at my criterion collection sets of igmar bergman fellini wong kar wai um and i guess the most recent thing i'm not usually one that watches too many new shows i try to get to them mm-hmm. i think i'm more so about the the film experience than I am about the show. Nothing dissing shows because shows are, there's a lot of fantastic shows out there. Uh, but the only current show I think I'm still watching is the yeah, Book of Boba Fett because okay. Star Wars kid at heart is what mm. I grew up on. I don't blame you, dude. I do not blame you for that. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. And then Raj, close it out with what uh, what you're currently watching. Uh, so well, I I watched Sam Raimi's Spider Man Two again uh, recently. I, I'm not going to have a lot to talk about. I think I might have mentioned last week, but I'll mention again. I'm playing, uh, replaying Doom Eternal. Uh, really love that game. Great it's game. One of my, one of, one of my uh, most replayed games. I I just keep going back to it. Really fun. Cool. And um, I'm at a dilemma here. I don't know what I'm watching. Book of Boba Fett is pretty much it right now. But if I could take the time, there's a there's a TV show I've been kind of wanting to talk about. So I'm going to just talk about that show that I've watched in the past. For sure. That um, to me is, I don't know, just totally gets me. <laughs> and that's Barry. Oh, uh, phenomenal. <laughs> oh I, I, I got to get back into it. I watched like the first I, couple episodes. I absolutely love that, Barry. Oh, I love it. Um, Season and two, episode five. I just it, I probably think, one of the best. Is that the one with the minutes. little girl? Yeah. Because I I was watching Game of a uh, little story while I was watching the final <laughs> season of Game of Thrones. Like I was angry. I was like not li- loving it at all. And then suddenly this episode comes on, and then you see like all this stuff with this little girl, and you're like this uh, awkward action scene is going on, and I'm like I'm like what is this? It's just. One of the one of the most bizarre scene bizarre things I've ever seen ever and yeah if anyone's looking forward to it 
like if anyone's interested, check it out. Okay, so I'm gonna take the time to talk about Barry. I just love it. A hitman from Cleveland. How about mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Goes to LA. I had a WMMS shirt, I, I think, know. in the first episode yes. or something. That was so cool. That was awesome. The buzzard. Like, I grew up with the buzzard. Mm-hmm. That was me. Like, that's, I bet you, like, anyways, you know, your dad knows what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, have, we have a sticker of WMMS. At exactly. Our, They're yeah. at my grandma's house all over the place. That's so cool. Um, he goes out to LA to do a hit, and then he gets into the film business. Like, the duality of having a career that's very in the spotlight to a job that he cannot be publicly seen. Right. He's a hitman, like the and all the hijinks that ensues, his 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 handler and how like Fuchs. 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 Mm-hmm. I love the I love the story. I want to see more. I like I don't know where it's at. Like, I don't know if they're still making it. It's still Yes, season okay. three is supposedly on the way. It's beautiful, like story. Um so well like just crafted. Um the um the bad guys are so like over the I mean not so over the top but like the guy the bald guy with no eyebrows <laughs> it's been a while since I watched oh, it but yeah. also played uh, that guy also played Zaz in Gotham and he was one of my favorite parts of that show yeah what is Anthony Care yeah what, what's his character name a Ho Ho Hank oh yeah that's right No Ho Hank No Ho Hank he's yeah. also I don't know if you saw Bill and Ted face the music he's the robot in that film. Oh, for, oh, I haven't seen that. Uh, well, when you get, there's it. a robotic assassin character. And okay. That's, that's Apparently, him. there was a point where he looked normal, where he was like, uh, he was just like average-looking guy, but then he just got this like disease or something, and it just lost all of his hair. I want to rewatch this like right now. It's quick. <laughs> yeah, and Henry Rink- uh, Wrinkler, yeah, it, oh, so great in it, and it's everything about it, and just like acting, it's kind of like an expose on, on how acting and actors kind of like mm-hmm. have to like work on their craft and. And he, you know, he's. It's so perfect of a show, um, and it needs. It needs. We need more. I do know the that more is coming. I do I'm, know I that wait. Bill Hader is like notoriously like not hard to work with, but he just laughs a lot. Okay. And so I'm wondering, like, how many t- how many times does he like laugh while doing Barry? And like, because I know that there are certain serious scenes, and it just makes it just makes me wonder. Right. He should make his own feature after season two, episode five. I was like, <laughs> give this guy a feature. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's just a wow. Yeah, I get, I get it. All everything that's got going on, and um, I, I just, I love the, I love the show, and I've been wanting to talk about it. And thank you guys for letting me uh, take the time. Oh, no um, One last show um, that I just thought to mind. I haven't watched the new season yet, and I don't even know how many people even really know about it because it doesn't really seem like a lot of people do. Um, Roger, you might know, um, but Joe Para on Adult Swim. Joe, you can watch the whole show. I swear, in like three hours, most likely. Whoa. Because each episode's like ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah, but it's so it's so n- not something you've probably have seen. It's probably more. It could be like a YouTube show, but Adult Swim picks it up. But it's a show that is so. It takes. It looks at details of like ordinary life and kind of just takes and's like you know you know how great just this thing is. Yeah, and it's something that most people probably overlook. Um, but it's a very like lighthearted. I could probably show you an episode that I always send, show people. Send it to me. I own it on. Yeah, Joe Para talks with you. Or I think now it's just Joe Para See, I, does I, whatever. I'm and not that any, dude's just awesome. I don't know. I'm curious how your reaction to the show is. Okay. It's probably something you're not expecting. Okay. Joe but Para it, talks with you. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a really quick show that's like lightheartedness. I think it has a lot to say. And Joe Para is just a I think a really cool dude. I'd love okay. I'd love to meet him and just hang out with him. And uh, can I, if I I can add to that another show that um I would want to speak out about that I don't know if people, a lot of people know about is Con Man uh, with um, uh, the guy from Firefly. Uh, 
He's in the Alien. Nathan Fillion? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Alan Tudyk. Uh, yeah, Alan Tudyk. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I just uh, I think those that, that type of show as well, kind of like behind the scenes of how Firefly got back into movies and stuff, and how he, Alan Tudyk is in the con is in the he's he's uh, he does the convention circuit and kind of like that whole world. It's a, I think it's like a YouTube. I don't know if it's a YouTube, but like it's, it, it was hard to find. Like it's only like six episodes. Nathan mm-hmm. Fillion is in it, so that's another show that I want to kind of like let people know about that mm-hmm. exists. If they don't know about it. it. Yeah, it's very cool. Very funny. Um, So um, you want to handle the tease there? Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So our next film, if I can do a tease, it would be Natalie Portman. More like Natalie Boardman. Okay. And then I want to take the time to say, um, Tom, if we ever lose the IMDB database, make sure you're alive because (laughs) I think you could probably rewrite it. I feel like I think a decent portion probably. <laughs> yes, might maybe not. Like Book of Eli style, like sit yeah. on the couch, and you know you just recite it, and we have IMDb because I, anything I throw at you, you know every like you know not oh. to not to you know. Yeah, I don't want to. I want to toot the horn too much. Right. That would Ex- be a good science fiction film to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, thank you for doing the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is a dream come true to have you and talk to you for like more than five seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we're usually always busy with work. Exactly. I know. I'll probably for sure probably come back on about something. I know you'd probably want to talk stars. No, at some point I got right? I got plenty of Star Wars people. I want you to deep okay. dive into Tom. What what makes that, Tom? That Tom? makes me even happier. Yes, like I we could just I like Star Wars, but I love talking about no many other things. I want we can maybe just have a rambling episode where we just talk about things we like. Or we can come back to the thing. You know, oh, uh, we can talk charge. about the 2011 version. Yeah, no, <laughs> but you know we're in charge here. We do what we want. Okay, mm-hmm. so whatever you will bring to the table is what's gonna okay. what's gonna happen. Yeah, I'll, so. I'll see what. Uh, I'll try to find some like deep cut sci-fi ones like you probably not heard that I think you might love. Okay, perfect. Um, and once again, uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And uh, I'd like to meet your dad one day for sure. Um, just shake his hand and just th- tell him thank you. For sure. And uh, Raj, any last last words? All right, we'll see you out there. Have a nice day. Be safe. Stay warm. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right, take care, everyone. Have a good night. Good night. Peace.